0: On this episode, we discuss The Haunting of Sharon Tate.
1: For this performance of The Haunting of Sharon Tate, Sharon Tate will be played by Hill House.
0: <laughs> okay. it's uh, actually eerily accurate. Yeah,
2: that's very
3: good. <laughs>
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the House. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there. I'm Stuart Wellington.
1: Over here in my in-law's garage, I'm Elliot Kalen on vacation, <laughs> but not on a podcast. That's when you don't do a podcast because you're on vacation. And Dan, uh, what's what's special about today's show, huh?
0: We have a special guest. You know her from Twitter. You know her <laughs> yep. from writing funny things for Vulture. Uh-huh. You know her from a few scenes in Search Party. Uh-huh, yep. She's Natalie Walker.
4: Yay! You know her from the old days of the Facebook group for yeah, the blast. She yep. was a big fan. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, she she, <laughs> she was She fan.
4: was no longer. <laughs> well, now she's just among you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we we scatter flowers on the grave
0: of old Natalie. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> gone. Now, you made reference to a a recent episode which Made me feel good because it would have broken my heart to learn that you'd stopped that listening. Some... don't listen.
4: No, I just like moved back from the Facebook group because there just started to be so many people and so many men. Um, wow! <laughs> this is, like I already engaged with too many internet yeah, men. It's... But um, but yeah, something Serenity about our was podcast appeals to, to men. To dudes? Why?
0: That's not, well, that's not exclude our female listeners. No, like... no, Dan, they're
1: gone. We don't need them okay. anymore. <laughs> no. Hey. This is now now The Flop House, a podcast where three dudes talk to women about what women are interested
0: in.
4: (laughs) Younger! We're going to talk about Younger. Yes, (laughs) I I, I I have a lot of opinions about Kelsey (laughs)
2: Peters' new role at Millennials.
4: I don't think she's equipped for it,
2: and I'm nervous. I 100% agree with you, and I think it's all going to fall apart. And I don't really like her relationship with Zane, but we'll talk about it more. I'm I'm a couple episodes behind. I'm
0: a
1: dad, so I assumed you were talking about Sebastian Younger, the author. (laughs) A guy that dads read. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Sebastian Younger is the type of author who might be parodied in an episode of the television show Younger. Yeah.
4: Yes.
0: Now, Natalie, I'm led to believe you're very popular on the internet.
4: Oh. How does it, one do that? Um, uh, Just yep. carve out a niche.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. If you
4: can appeal to teenage girls, I think like, that's, that's our s- mistake. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> sort of the main thing. Because it was like no one cared about anything I did, and then I did a video that was the. Alto 2 part of All I Want for Christmas is You mm-hmm. from when my high school sang mm-hmm. it. And then all of these teen girls started being like, I'm doing this part now. Retweet, retweet, retweet. And now they all will go to bat for me, especially queer teenage girls.
2: Mm. Okay, so, you, so have, you have an army uh, following, an army <laughs> yes.
0: supporting you. And now, yes. and now you find yourself singing with Paul F. Tompkins. So. Insane.
4: I get to do it again soon. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's coming back. We're doing Unworthy of Your Love from Assassins.
2: I don't even know what that is. It's
4: a good song. Oh, Stu.
2: It's oh, not the Stu. and it's, it's Quicky
4: Frome, so uh, topical,
2: uh, very wait, to, yeah, so, very
1: related to this episode. Because Dan, what do we do on this podcast?
2: But wait, is that a song from the movie Assassins with Antonio Banderas? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well,
1: so I remember was I, I remember Sondheim Sondheim went Musical. to go see Assassins okay. the movie and was like, I can't wait! Finally, they're making movies out of my favorite <laughs> Sondheim shows, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're just super disappointed.
4: Antonio Banderas could have been in it. A singer. Famously
2: a singer. I didn't know that. Oh. Okay, well. Yeah. See, this is an educational podcast. So uh, (laughs) speaking of educating people, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? (laughs) Uh Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So on this podcast, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Now, Natalie chose the movie this time around. I I want to say actually... (laughs) Sounds like an
2: accusation when you say
0: that. I'll get to that. I want to say before, uh, a very nice listener wrote in and said, Hey, maybe on occasional episodes, if necessary... A content warning would be nice. And so I want to say that this movie is about the graphic murder of some real life people that it does not take that seriously, I think. Um, so no, I
1: think it is taking – I think that it thinks it's taking it very seriously. Yeah, maybe. Yes.
0: I'm just letting people know that, but in Natalie, case
1: people why? didn't realize that from the title, "The Haunting of Sharon Tate," that it might involve the real-life murder of Sharon Tate. Well, what? it could
4: have been about her being haunted on the set of Valley of the Dolls by Judy Garland's uh, ghost. That, that's yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's fair. So, yeah, Natalie, why this movie?
4: My friend Nicole Cliff uh, texted me in the middle of the night one night and was like. I'm watching the most horrible movie I've maybe ever seen. It's The Haunting of Sharon Tate. And Uh I had never heard of this movie. And then I looked it up and I was like, Hillary Duff is Sharon Tate. That simply does not seem right um, and yeah, then get, this yeah really because
1: she seems like a child pretending to be an adult through the whole movie
4: Yeah. Well, oh yeah also she has very short girl energy and Sharon Tate like is very willowy and like Hilary D- Hillary Duff is someone whose like, face you see and you're like that's a short girl yeah. she's a cute short girl and so <laughs> I, need, I think I might need
1: you to explain this before because I've never heard of these concepts before is it, is short, it because of the way she
2: holds energy? her head she's always like she's used to looking up
0: Things. Yes,
4: yes And there's not a lot of neck involved Yeah, it was, it was a lot Yeah, and also she's doing the She's doing for the first half of the movie Like a very funny accent Like of an old-timey person I was very yeah.
2: interested as to that accent
1: she, she, she seems to think that Sharon Tate talked like Catherine Hepburn <laughs> yes. like, a, like a lot of like a girl yeah, who just Atlantic. saw Like uh, the African Queen on TV And is like, Absolutely. that's how I'm going to talk
0: Yes And I like to be pretty easy on actors in general. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about Younger before. I like Hilary Duff perfectly fine in that role. Yeah,
2: where she plays Kelsey Peters, uh, (laughs) the head of the millennial imprint over empirical publishing.
0: I would just say that maybe the casting was a mistake in this case.
1: Uh, My guess is that this movie was not going to get made without Hilary Duff in the role of Sharon Tate. So I can understand from the producer's point of view why this was the casting they went with.
2: Yeah. And, and she filmed this while pregnant, right? She's actually pregnant in this movie. Uh, yes. Is that true? Because it looked like a Ooh. fake pregnant belly, to, yeah. me, uh, to okay. be honest. She was. I feel like it. Well, I mean, because there's a lot of times while watching Younger where I'm like, I think Hillary Duff's pregnant based on the way they're dressing her. This yeah. And the way there's <laughs> always
1: grocery bags on her desk in front of her belly.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: She's always at her desk. <laughs> Always diaphanous there's, layers. It's always like a leather jacket with like tight sleeves, but then the leather jacket has like little ruffles in the front. There's always construction
1: workers are always carrying long planks of wood by in the foreground of the shots in front uh-huh. of her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a, like a Jim Lee X-Men panel that ha- features a naked character, and they just have, like, billowing smoke. Oh, yeah. Well, there's all
1: those wisps of very opaque smoke covering uh-huh. Psylocke's parts, yeah.
2: Oh, oh, to read Chris Claremont's original script describing that panel. <laughs> uh, what's weird oh. is that the the description for the original panel
1: probably had less text than the caption boxes in the final comic. Oh! Yeah. Chris Claremont uh, burn. Anyway, so, uh, Stuart, you were going to take us through this movie, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, okay, right? Okay,
2: let me... I'm gonna crack open my uh, summary notes. Uh, that's weird. It looks like across four pages, I just spelled out the word fart.
4: Okay, just. I mean caring. that's that's uh, weird since there's
2: no audible farts in the film as far as I remember. No
4: audible ones. I have to think
1: you're someone on set.
4: Yeah, well, Sharon's I pregnant.
1: Like, I mean, she's pregnant. Her body's yeah. doing all sorts of things. You know, exactly. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the human body.
2: Okay, the haunting of Sharon Tate, <laughs> chapter one. Uh, so we get our we get our usual deluge of uh, production company credits. Oh man, there were so many Saban Films. You know Saban's Power Rangers. <laughs> Voltage and Voltage Pictures, which has like their their little, uh, little their little video looks like like a scene from the Chrono Trigger video game. Um so the I movie the
0: opens
4: the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Like, yeah. laughs> same thing.
2: Yeah, that I mean that, that reference was mainly for your benefit, mm-hmm. Natalie. Um so the movie opens with an Edgar Allan Poe quote Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream. Uh, always a good sign when you get that kind of a uh, opening. Uh, also for like a
0: thing based on a real life story. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. In this case, not. <laughs> no, it's-, <laughs>
1: it's when you start with a quote like that. It's it's like the movie is. It's that's the movie's trigger warning for like what you're about to see is kind of a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yeah. so- it's a
4: fanfic about a
3: murder. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess
1: I guess if these shadows have offended, uh, maybe you fell asleep and dreamed the whole thing. Did <laughs> Garrelle
2: Poe write that? Whatever. I don't care. It's a it's a Hilary Duff movie. It is uh and by the way I'm glad that we're finally crossing into true crime territory. That's going to take <laughs> this tight. podcast to Hugely the next usually popular level. right now. People love <laughs> yeah. to
1: treat real life tragedy as entertainment that they can, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of wonder who done it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, unsolved murder uh, what unsolved murders? Unsolved mysteries was the name of the show is still pretty big. People watch it on what? Netflix, Hulu. Probably
1: <laughs> all of those. I mean, this is not an unsolved murder. The the culprits are in jail right now, <laughs> I mean, one of them is
2: deceased, but, you know, what are you going to do? But do they turn into ghosts and (laughs) see their bodies at the end of the murder? That's the mystery, Elliot. We'll find out. (laughs) So the movie opens after that quote uh, with an interviewer asking Sharon Tate if she's psychic. Uh, We get a timestamp Thursday, August 1st, 1968. And then she relays a dream she had where she and her friend were murdered.
1: Now, should we should we explain for any younger people listening to this podcast, I kid, all of our listeners are elderly like us, who Sharon Tate is, why we know ahead of time that her haunting oh, will be fatal. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So this is, yeah, this is based on uh, the murder of, I don't know why I'm taking this. This is a subject I know almost nothing about. <laughs> uh, who, who wants to field this one?
0: Uh, Sharon Tate was in Star 80, right? Is that correct? Uh, oh, okay. or is that hey, someone uh, else? I'm thinking. No, of? No, no, no. I'm so, thinking of so a different person. You're who thinking died. of Dorothy Stratton. Yeah, she also died. R and P. R I P. R N P.
1: You know what? Okay, just Natalie. Do you want to try? Or because after sure. these two failures,
4: <laughs> I think we should just, just round robin. Like, who you think It's like was? one of those games where each person adds one word to the story. <laughs> she, yeah, she was Roman Polanski's
0: wife, and she was an actress. Uh-huh. But I don't know what she was in. Star,
1: Star Eighty is about Dorothy Stratton, right?
0: Star Eighty is yes.
1: So Sharon Tate was the wife of Roman Polanski, and she was an actress. And uh, unfortunately, and her and her friends one night, including uh, Jay Sebring, who was a friend of hers, another Hollywood fixture. One night they were murdered by the members of the Manson family. And uh, they if were you read
4: Joan Didion, house, what they were staying in the house where, like, the previous occupant was some record producer uh-huh. who ignored Charles Manson's request for a uh, for yeah. a record deal. So they were. Mad. Well, if you mad. listen to all <laughs> yeah.
3: 400
1: parts of you must remember this is series on Charles Manson, you'll know that Charles Manson, at first he wanted to get across his message of love and murder through becoming a groovy musician in the, <laughs> in, the in the kind of Beach Boys type of forum. And uh-huh. he was hanging around Hollywood, involving himself in the lives of real Hollywood people for a while. And this record producer, he, th- he thought had, I guess, promised him something. And he kept going to his house and bothering him. And eventually that guy moved out and Tate and Polanski moved in and Charles Manson, I guess, didn't get the f- forwarding address card <laughs> and and kept going there. So the whole thing is a, is a horrible tra- – even more of a tragic misunderstanding. And if you read Joe Didion, it's when the 60s ended, even though by the calendar, there was still some 60s left, just a yeah. tiny bit.
0: Uh, Sharon Tate was in Valley of the Dolls. That was her yes. biggest role. Yeah, I mean, they t- yeah. mentioned yeah, yeah. that in the Nally movies. I'm just—why are you arguing with me? I'm just <laughs> not, we're talking about who Sharon Tate is. I'm mean, just adding a little more context since I f- so <laughs> flubbed it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's
1: fine. I know you got you you got her mixed up with a different tragically murdered blonde actress. And the movie about her And that's, you know, in Dan's mind If you're blonde and an actress and you get murdered You're all the same person, who cares
4: Well, Elliot, Katri- Karina Longworth did that entire series on dead blondes so. Yeah, that's,
1: and Dan was like, it's the same it's person over trope. and over again <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, why has she put out the same podcast ten
3: times?
1: Why did she take the same person, give them 14 different names And then do the same episode every time? I'm Dan uh, McCoy
0: I have, I have some sort of mental problem, I guess <laughs>
1: you're the one who's saying it. Anyway, Stuart, so so, So, uh, Sharon Tate, she had that
2: bad dream. Yeah, she mentions that she had a bad dream, that she and her friend were murdered. We then get a new title, uh, a new date. It is one year later from the time of that interview. We find out that through, what, like, newsreels, that there has been, uh, it gives us the story of the murder. This is the, what, the day after this happened. We take a leisurely, the camera takes us on a leisurely (laughs) stroll through the aftermath it takes uh, us on a real realtor's walkthrough of the house for yeah, a long yeah, yeah. time. It, it does just enough to kind of like to, to show you a little bit of the house, but not actually give you that much of the like geography of the location.
4: Yeah, I had no sense of the layout of this <laughs> yeah. house or how it worked.
2: And then, uh, and we, of course, uh, the, the camera lingers over the, the, the dead bodies, finally ending on Sharon Tate. We get a new title card three days earlier uh, with a date Wednesday, August 6th, 1969. I suppose you're wondering how
0: I got in this position <laughs> yeah. as a dead I mean, yeah. person.
2: It's, it, it was kind of shocking how many new dates and title cards this movie <laughs> threw
0: at yeah, us.
4: for three days.
1: It was like a movie that was trying to give you the impression that it was heavily researched and documented by confusing you as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's 1968. Okay, it's a year later. Oh, I guess it's 1969. It's three days earlier. Three days earlier from 1969? Hold on. Wait, what? So it was like <laughs> yeah, it was 28th, like December 28th? nineteen sixty eight
4: 1968. I understand. Miss- when I was studying for the APUS history exam in high school, I like did no actual work, but I just had a bunch of flashcards with like dates on them. And I was like, of course I'm doing it. Look at all these flashcards.
3: And that's what this movie was doing to that's me. That's a really good prop. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we the uh... Uh, We now have a scene where Sharon Tate and her friend Jay Sebring are driving up. Aaron
4: Samuels from Mean Girls.
2: Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's where I recognize it from. They drive up to the house that we saw earlier. This shot is done using a million edits. Uh, (laughs) It takes forever. It looks like a perfume commercial. Yeah, yes. We get a little bit of ominous watching them from the shadows. Yeah. So we already get the spooky, scary stuff going
0: on. At this point, I didn't know who he was supposed to be. So I'm like, this is a very inaccurate Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> tall, this this handsome guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I was kind of excited that he was going to be a Roman Polanski. And then they uh, <laughs> they did a switcheroony on me. We uh, They go into the home. We're introduced to a dog that's apparently a doctor. That's crazy. Yeah. Their doc, their
1: dog's what name was like, Doctor Saperstein. Like that was the name. It is Doctor Saperstein. You know that. Yeah. I mean, it was the '60s. Things were crazy. You know, mm-hmm. a dog could it's become a doctor. There's nothing in
2: the rule book. as long as as no. long as it's a male dog, I guess. <laughs>
1: um. no, that reminds me of an old riddle. That uh, this so a, a dog and a puppy are in an accident, and they bring the the puppy to the hospital, and the doctor dog says, "I can't operate." On, uh, on this puppy. It's my son, and I'm a bitch. Technically,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Dan's gonna edit that whole thing. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I, I used that was a technical term. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know. Oh. I'm aware. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's,
2: Elliot's foot is on base, I guess. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. I'll allow it, says Airbud.
2: <laughs> Wait, Airbud can talk? I thought he could just play basketball. He was a judge.
1: <laughs> There's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't talk and be a judge.
4: But, doctor, I am Roman Polanski.
1: <laughs> 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 That'd be so funny. Doc, I'm I'm so depressed. Oh, you should see this new Roman Polanski movie. It'll really cheer you up. But, Doctor, I am Roman Polanski. And have you seen the movies I make? Even Fearless Vampire Killers, which is ostensibly a comedy, is, like, not funny.
2: (laughs) So, uh, we're introduced to two more people. So, we have this scene of, like, like. It, it felt very much like a scene from a slasher movie where we get to meet all the young upcoming victims, which I don't mean to say in a uh, insensitive way. Just like all the dialogue is the is the laziest sorts of things. We have a character, uh, what is it, Wojek, who Wo- is Roman yeah, Polanski's watch. best friend, and his girlfriend or wife, Abigail who is the heiress played by... to
4: the folger empire
2: <laughs> yeah played by lydia hurst uh, the granddaughter of what patty hurst and yes. look at me yes thank Heir- you thank you
4: Heiress to the hurst uh huh fortune so and, uh, art and current, life. current
2: owner of chris, chris hardwick's heart fucking a um, so we uh... she
4: stood by him <laughs>
2: Yeah, she, she stood by her, her husband, Chris Hardwick, thick, uh, through thick and thin, uh, maybe because she knew this movie was going to blow up. <laughs> so Hillary Duff displays, <laughs> uh, she continues to display, as my note says, what is this
0: accent? <laughs> <laughs> And it comes and goes, too. Right? Oh,
4: absolutely. As By the pleases. end, it's completely gone. She's back oh, yeah. to Lizzie McGuire. And wh- what's impressive is that, uh,
2: according to IMDb, that she, like, filmed the whole movie in two, two days. Weeks. Yeah. Oh, my. So that it's not like the accent, like, like it's they like... They had her
4: come back and do reshoots <laughs> months later, and she was like, what voice was I doing? Who cares? It's like, oh, no, that's just what it was. Just over the course of the day, she was like, oh, let's, let's stop. It's after nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
1: after lunch, she forgot what the accent was. Yes. She's like, oh, I've got a sandwich in my tummy. I can't do that accent anymore. Here's my, here's my favorite detail about this scene, is they make a real point of... Uh, Roman Polanski has stayed back in London to work on his next movie, and they mm-hmm. make a real point of telling you that the movie is Day of the Dolphin. And it's like, I guess that's probably technically true. He was working on Day of the Dolphin, but like, what a weird movie to make sure the audience knows he yeah. was working on, because it's, one, not a well-known movie, and two, he didn't direct it in the end. They'd well, because like, it's oh, also Day part of... of like. <laughs>
4: It's also part of a mini monologue that's the movie's like attempt at feminism where Lydia Hurst is like, well, he's directing Day of the Dolphin and you're being pregnant and he's not going to be there for you. Typical man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what <laughs> does this movie think of? It and it's doing? also like the movie is like, that was Roman Polanski's real fr- crime, not being there for his pregnant wife. <laughs> if he <laughs> had done that, he'd be a great man. It's like, uh, a <laughs> movie. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> like he's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, so there's uh, a bunch of showbiz bullshit. We get a little bit of uh, exposition. <clears throat> then we, uh, after a brief shot of the uh, L.A. skyline uh, getting dark, we uh, we our, our heroes are sitting around a table having dinner. Woj relays a story about a gnome, a gnome that we know as Noman Polanski. <laughs> no. <laughs> Noman Polanski. You know, I love a cool tale about a gnome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the conversation then uh, blends into some, like, thoughts about like fate and like butterfly theory oh my god <laughs> yeah
0: this movie really lays out its ostensible theme very directly being like like Sharon Tate is constantly being like uh do you think that our lives are set or that they can change or like and the it smallest seems like- choice can affect your destiny
4: yeah and then Abigail has a Full-on psycho monologue that ends with like Sharon Tate, I think you're gonna get everything you deserve. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Looks at the camera. Yeah, yeah. Eyeballs turn into daggers.
4: That monologue was also so terribly eighty-yard. Like, why, <laughs> like she's. You can tell that they just had Lydia like watch the take. And try to speak along to herself mm-hmm. with like a lip sync, and then I looked at the IMDb trivia for this movie, and it, one of the trivia <laughs> bits was three Instagram posts by Lydia Hearst depicted her doing ADR for this movie, and I was like, "That's <laughs> trivia, okay, sure." Yeah. But how it was ma- nice many- confirmation. I was like, "Why does this monologue sound so insane?" But I
2: noticed that as well. But I did not notice how many people found that information helpful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: (laughs) here's the thing I like about this monologue is that uh, both of these monologues is they feel like they were dropped in from a different script like up till that point, it's a lot of like, "Oh, the baby's coming. I'm s- I'm gaining so much weight. Oh, that's terrible. And your husband's not here. Oh, shame on him. Do you think our lives are fated <laughs> to end a certain way, or can random chance spin us off into different directions? Do we yeah. have control over our own free will?" And it's like, wait, what?
4: <laughs> yeah, oh, we were guys. just well, talking about Sharon's ass. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it went straight.
1: Ago. It went straight from like this movie into they just cut and pasted some pages from like a Tom Stoppard play
2: and just stuck yeah. them in. And they, and they even sneak in a sideburn about Orson Welles being overweight. I mean, come on. He's going through something. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> uh, she talks a little bit about how she, there's, uh, she suspects Roman of infidelity, which, you know, I think that's a little Easter egg for the true fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, fans the fans
0: of Roman Polanski's horrible life. Yeah. <laughs> they, that's when
2: they start to play a fucking fortune-telling game while listening to, like, sitar music, it felt very strange. It was like...
1: the 60s, dude. It was the 60s. That's what everybody did. Even the
2: president was doing that
4: stuff. Sitar mania swept <laughs> the nation.
2: Uh, yeah, they, they play some, like, they play some fortune-telling game that involves, like, a marble rolling around.
4: Yeah, it felt like an early Ouija board thing. It was
2: like, a, it was like Ouija roulette, like
1: some kind of off-brand gambling Ouija board. Yes.
4: Uh-huh. Uh, now, guys, it,
1: what, what about this? A casino... That's kind of like séance themed, and like so, the uh-huh. roulette board is Ouija themed. Uh-huh. Blackjack is also kind of Ouija board or themed. No, tarot, it's tarot cards. card. Yeah. Blackjack, yeah, <laughs> tarot card. Blackjack, and uh, maybe there's like one of those chickens that pl- you can play tic tac toe against, uh, mm-hmm. and then they sacrifice it afterwards. What do you uh, guys think? Okay. I,
0: open this I mean, I, I, some I don't runes so. <laughs> or some tea leaves or some bones, any of that stuff.
1: You got it all over the place. Yes, definitely.
4: The slot machine is a bone pull. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, yeah. And
2: instead of money coming out, it's bones. I,
0: I know the bit. Yeah. Uh, bones. I don't
2: need
1: these. Instead of chips, you get bones. It's a lot of. It's a dog themed casino.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen.
2: I've, I've seen. I think she's she, actually. She, um,
1: Air Airbud is like. There's nothing in the rule book that says you can't have a dog themed casino. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, I think he's biased because he likes having a lot of bones. Uh, but <laughs> he's still
1: the gaming commissioner of Nevada, so I think he can. You don't he think can he can be decision. bought?
2: <laughs> I think he can be coerced with bones. So when it comes time for Sharon to ask her question, of course she asks, will I live a long and happy life? <laughs> at which point they are interrupted by a sharp knock at the door from a creepy character who uh, is looking for Terry and he wanders off. And uh, Woj, who had been talking to the guy, scared the guy off, is like, yeah, it's some guy. Charlie something and then I think he looked at the camera (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so uh Sharon goes to sleep she wakes up to hear her friends boning but not Bones the, the currency, Bones the... <laughs> uh, not not in the, they the they
3: my dog-based Bone Casino that is also about fortune telling.
2: Yeah, boning is also what I call watching Bones the television show. Yeah, they're,
1: they're watching Bones on their
2: DVD player.
4: I love but David Boreanaz. Like, Can't get enough.
2: David Boreanaz does look like a fellow who has one too many Bones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one too many Bones? I don't know. Bones. I mean, one too many. Where uh, Where's this extra bone? I mean, that's you got to watch the show to find out. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, is that what the show is about, is that they're trying to figure out where his extra bone is?
2: Elliot, I have a firm belief that uh, to support no spoilers culture, so I don't want to ruin the surprise. I Just appreciate watch the that. show. It's good. Um, just... you can, it's on like all the time. Uh, so she hears noises and starts to wander around the house like you do. She goes into I mean, a... to be
1: fair, when I hear a noise in my house, I do wander around trying to- find what it is not
0: me i hide under the
2: covers
1: (laughs) (laughs) because they can't see you if you're under the
2: covers (laughs) she finds uh the ice the noise is coming from the ice maker in the refrigerator we get a couple of like home invader scares where like there's a man standing outside or uh somebody walks by a window real quick and then checking the front door they find that there's a package on the doorstep uh and they realize they need to need to get a new code for their gate and then Doctor Saperstein, hero dog, goes running off into the night.
4: Oh, Doctor Saperstein!
2: <laughs> Doctor wow. Saperstein. he'll he'll probably turn out okay. Let's find out. He was just uh, making
1: a house call. Yeah, yeah
2: good one. <laughs> uh, and as as we've already addressed, he'll accept payment in uh, the form of a check or bones.
1: Uh, well, the check could also be made out for bones. But yeah. not made out of two bones. That's a TV show. Uh-huh. And, do they they, they have sir- enough
4: money.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Based <laughs> on the amount of times they're on television, I would think so. Dr.
1: Saperstein, uh, of course, he gets a, his beeper goes off, or for dogs, it's called a barker. Okay.
3: Can we we <laughs> not do this? Uh, so we, we I get love a, <laughs>
2: We get a title card for the, the next day, so we gotta make, we're keeping our chronology straight. So to do that, Dan, what day is it?
0: <laughs> Today? I'll look it in, up. In in the movie. No, what no, day it?
2: Uh, okay. I think it's Thursday. It's
1: yep. August seventh, nineteen sixty-nine.
2: Okay. We cut to a scene of Abigail and Sharon going on a hike. Uh there Abigail is uh nervous about Wo- Woj's friends and drug use how some like suspicious characters have been coming around i don't know if she says characters she says cats there's a lot of awkward slang in this scene yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: and we, we should mention that so abigail and, and wojak have been they, they're there or Voitek or whatever his name is they've been there to Wojtek, take care of the house while sharon and roman are away and sharon is starting to get increasingly irritated with what they've been doing in the house and this is a big moment of that when he she's like oh yeah he's been inviting all these drug dealer friends and sharon's like wait why are you inviting drug dealer friends over to my house all the time there's one part later where she's like yeah well we had this party and it's like wait in my house like she's just very casual about throwing parties in someone else's house dan would you do that if you were house sitting for a famous person
0: uh for a famous person yes Oh okay Mm -hmm. but not like a friend it shows disrespect to my friend. But what if they're okay. a famous person? I wanted to get everyone in here and be like, check out this famous person's house. Yeah,
1: but if like Shaq invited you to house sit for him, you'd invite oh, me to yeah. whatever.
0: Sure. Because they're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're mortal enemies.
4: <laughs> but also, Abigail is an heiress, so she probably is just like, I have the right to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. All the yeah. coffee is mine. <laughs> yep. yeah.
1: and, and Sharon <laughs> complains that nobody's been calling her since she showed up. She's been home for a day. And she's mad no one's called her. And Abigail is like, We told everyone not to bother you because you're pregnant. We don't want the baby to come out at the wrong time or something like that.
2: Uh huh. That's why she looks at the cover of a script of Rosemary's ba- Baby Later and she shakes her head in anger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's, she's like, Oh, so Roman, you could be there for Rosemary when she was having her baby?
2: So they're <laughs> oh boy. They're uh, so they're walking they're doing one of those classic LA hikes where two characters hike around and have a conversation.
3: Yeah, they're in the Hollywood Hills.
2: Yep. And uh they are passed by a pair of what the movie thinks are very creepy hikers, but seem like very normal looking people to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the movie like slows down, we get some close-ups on their faces, but they seem kind of normal to me. We'll find out if they are. Um and then they of course, come upon the final resting place of Dr. Saperstein. The movie does some uh, clever editing tricks and some bad special effects of yeah. maggots crawling around in a, in the the poor passed away dog.
4: They're really trying to give you the full hereditary effect <laughs> with it. <Yeah>. Like this... <laughs> little scene was really trying to do that and it was yeah it's, it's as less if the, successful
2: yeah it's as, uh, well i think uh, <laughs> i think critics will be the judge of that natalie uh, it's it was one of those things where they're like we have this prop that is not very good we'll have to dress it up with some digital effects and We'll have the camera like zoom in and out real fast and like <laughs> shake around, and <There> we go <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it
4: was like an Instagram story. Was the reveal of that yeah. dog's yeah. death? <laughs> okay,
2: so we are introduced to a new character, the who's also the new caretaker, uh, Stephen Parent. It's upon his shoulders that falls the task of burying Doctor Saperstein. Mm-hmm. He and he lives in like a he lives in like a trailer
1: on the grounds of their house, mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. So wait, so I can't keep all these people straight because they're so interchangeable. Is he the oh, guy? There are five of them. Yeah. Is he the guy with glasses who like talks about backwards masking and that yes. weird? Yes. Signature? Yes. Yes. He's Spoiler like, alert!
4: They wanted him to be Jesse Plemons,
0: mm-hmm. um, and he mm-hmm. wasn't Jesse Plemons. No, he certainly was
4: not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> By all accounts, he was not.
4: Yeah, <laughs> but on those glasses, I mean, and I was I like, "Oh."
2: I should check the uh, check the cast list. Maybe it was Jesse Plemons. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll
1: have to do a DNA test on this one. <laughs> Get me samples from both of them. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
2: Unless is... they're the same person, in which case I'll only need one sample. So this is the scene where it all seems to come out. Sharon's
0: check eight... that one sample against itself. Guess it's the
2: same. <laughs> seems right. Yeah,
1: we've got a Plemons, everybody. <laughs> you know what they say when you got Plemons, make Plemonade, and we did. <laughs>
2: Uh, so this all comes out, you know, uh, the emotion, the emotions hit her like a ton of bricks. She is pissed off. Uh, so she stomps away. She yells at her friend. She picks up a, uh, a teddy bear of a dog and has a very emotional <laughs> moment with it.
1: Well, she did just lose her dog. She's like, I guess you're Dr. Saperstein now. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. There's a lot of creaky doors. Uh, she walks around the house a little bit. She goes into Roman's study, which we know is Roman's study because there's boxes that says Roman stuff on it. <laughs> um, and then we find this spooky old uh, stereo, like a reel-to-reel stereo yeah. machine. Of course, she starts listening to that stuff, and then we get some creepy music coming out of there. And there's pretty, a whole pretty, bunch of
4: pretty young girl. Or <laughs>
2: Yeah, is this actual? I uh, think
3: this yeah, is an this actual, an actual. I think that's an actual. One. He he, yeah. he
2: had a song that was all about like love
1: is submission, and you've got to submit to me. So I think that might be the real. So I don't th- I don't think they were worried about like Manson suing them yeah. for misuse of the song. I think they probably used <laughs> sure. the re- either the real. It might have been the real audio, but I doubt it. They probably just recorded. I think I,
0: I actually think I read a review of this that took it to task. In part for using the real song, they're like, uh, "Come on, movie! Don't, yeah, you have don't do this for Charles Manson. Yeah, yeah
2: Josh Groban could have could have just cut together something real quick. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Pretty a...
2: go with his
0: his ridiculously
2: <laughs> <laughs> operatic voice, mm-hmm. absolutely. Or
1: they could have gotten Randy Newman to do it or something like that. Would have <laughs> been great. <laughs> it is
2: he is the voice of L.A. You know. <laughs>
1: Maybe I was thinking the other day about how Randy Newman's singing is maybe the sloppiest singing of a of a professional recording artist. Like I don't know what it is. Maybe that's just the way he talks, but it, it always sounds like he's he's not sure what word is coming out of his mouth until it's done. Right. It feels
4: spontaneous. It feels like he's making up the songs on the spot. I think that's part of it.
2: Mm-hmm. It feels it's, dangerous. It's like when the television show Rock changed to only doing live shows. You uh, know, that was you never know was, what's going to
1: happen. They were on a tightrope, or as I should say, a tight rock on that one. <laughs>
0: Should you say it? No, uh, I guess not. It wasn't
1: Scientist really make sense. <laughs> Four out of five dentists think I shouldn't have said it, and the fifth dentist wasn't listening.
2: So she she starts listening to the music. Uh there's a whole bunch of envelopes that are addressed to Terry from Charlie uh, that are similar to the envelope that had been left on their porch earlier. It is written in the most, like, murderer font possible.
1: <laughs> it might as well say, kill you, in big the, letters on it.
2: It is scary in the way that, like, heavy metal bands wish their logo was that mm-hmm. scary. And, of course, it, the, the song, devo- like, devolves into some kind of, like, haunted, creepy ghost sounds. Yep.
1: Yeah, some Which, kind of ominous chanting.
2: Yeah, Okay, so cut to our friends are hanging out by the pool. Sharon's reading a book about reincarnation.
4: Yep, they have a (laughs) nice little close-up on that book
1: title.
2: And she's like scratching her chin, nodding her
0: head. (laughs) Yeah,
1: They should have put a book in her head that was, so you're going to die.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What to expect when you're expecting to be killed by the Manson family.
1: (laughs) And they can still have a pregnant woman on the cover. It works perfectly, Dan.
0: Oh boy, not too real. I want to make it clear. Again, we're not... Trying, we're, we, we don't want to make fun of the real people who were tragically no, killed. It, it is, this movie is, a, is just terrible.
1: It's a terrible thing that real people lost their lives in a, a particularly horrible and senseless way. Uh, and we are taking the movie to task for creating what I thought at first was supposed to be a dramatization of the real events, but as we'll learn, is... The craziest misuse of a (laughs) real-life tragedy,
2: (laughs) which ultimately, I guess, seems to put the blame on the victims, but we'll get to that. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, based on this conversation, maybe, uh, because she has a conversation with her friend Jay Sebring, who is wearing... A swimsuit that I would very much like to own, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very Stuart Wellington style,
1: and that it covers almost nothing. <laughs> uh huh.
2: And it's uh, he manages to pull off like a super small white swimsuit that I'm like, oh, there's no way I could do that. Uh, this but we'll is, get on. this
1: movie. It's got a lot of both of the male leads just wearing tiny either swimsuits or underpants to show off how they all have like 14 packs. And I ha- I can't believe that anyone in the 60s was that ridiculously chiseled. Like back then, bodybuilding had not developed to what it is today. Dan, you're kind of an amateur bodybuilder. What do you think? Is, am I wrong on that?
0: I would call myself the most amateur bodybuilder.
3: Okay. I mean,
1: Clarify. you have a body. You
0: built yeah. it. I There was a time at which I went to the gym and lifted weights, and that time is long ago.
2: Cool. So, <laughs> they, uh, so they have a conversation. They talk about fate and destiny. Uh, Jay suggests that sometimes bad things just happen. Sharon asks, do you think we're just slaves to our own destiny? Um, and Jay explains that maybe, maybe they can rewrite their own scripts. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. These right. are real things that they're saying.
4: Yeah. I mean, this is the way that I talk to my friends around a pool.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. Natalie, is this
1: just the way that like show people?
4: talk oh totally no absolutely not i mean when you're like in college when you're in a dorm room in college and you've just done like a doll's house and scene study Mm -hmm. then maybe you go home and do that (laughs) but yeah this the the level of conversation about (laughs) destiny are we slaves to our own destiny Kelsey. kelsey kelsey peters now the thing is
2: do you think Kelsey Peters on the television show Younger is a slave to her own destiny? <laughs> is she just being set up for a fall? I think she's fortune's she fool. Is.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> kind of is. I mean, they do address the idea that oftentimes when a woman is promoted to CEO, it's after a man's failures and they're simply being set up to fail. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, that's something that is uh, explored in depth in the television show Younger. We'll talk but when about does that.
1: Younger get around to talking about the perfect storm?
2: Uh, I mean, I feel like The Perfect Storm would be the type of book that would be pushed by empirical publishing rather than millennial. So right. I'm not oh, okay. as interested. Fair. Yeah.
4: That's and a millennial d- is really pushing, like, be a bitch to get a hat. <laughs>
3: that's, that's exactly the kind of I mean, that book would
4: sell book.
1: a billion copies. Oh, for sure.
4: They're smart. Young women are smart. That's right. why I'm here, Elliot. I'm here to take over the Flophouse. No, oh, I mean, free
0: us from our curse? Why, why are you standing in Natalie's way, Elliot, as you have been for the last decade? I would yeah.
1: love nothing well, more as... to get out of Natalie's way and do something else with my time than watch The Haunting
2: of Sharon Tate. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gladly standing here with the keys to the Flophouse, ready to surrender them.
1: I've been looking for another person to come and be the defender of the grail, as I've been stuck <laughs> here for a thousand years. I would love that.
2: Well, maybe if you presented the uh, if you presented Christ's cup in a way that was a little more appealing,
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess than just uh, in, a, in a, as one of many cups on a play, on a on a
2: table, uh huh, and next to a bunch of like awesome gold ones. I mean, yeah, come on. get better. those out of there.
0: It's sort of presented like I don't know if they do this. Anymore in the Wheel of For- Wheel of Fortune, but you remember in the old days on Wheel of Fortune where they would just like cut to like a room full of stuff and they'd be like, "You could get <laughs> yeah." They don't this do thing that anymore. That when, thing. Like, when
1: you had to spend your money on Wheel of Fortune on prizes,
0: yeah, and it was like a statue of a dog or something. And <laughs> like, I don't want that. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> But I mean, it's like a hand-carved statue of a dog, and where else could... You can't buy that with money. Just give me the cash, man. (laughs)
4: They could have used that for this movie. That would have been a better prop.
2: If only they had put a statue of a dog instead of uh, subjecting our friend Dr. Seber... No, Dr. (laughs) Saverstein, to the Machinations of Monsters. Um, So uh, we get some more bullshit. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So it's nighttime. We get a... uh, It's nighttime. We get a home invasion Uh, there's a haunted stereo that, uh, you know, Sharon is awoken by this home invasion. We see creepy, like creepy people sneaking up to the window and waving. We see a creepy dude with a gun. Sharon investigates the, uh, creepy music that seems to be playing on its own. Uh, right before she turns it off, she looks to the right and there in the shadows is Charles Manson. And then a woman sneaks up behind her with a knife. Uh, they're all captured and taken to the living room, and the home invaders then uh, start murdering them. It is kind of, it's it's shot kind of perfunctory. Uh It's pretty, like, I hate to describe it as kind of goofy, but it's kind of goofy. There's, like, a lot of, like, chomping down on blood capsules, spitting out blood all over oh, the Oh, really?
0: I found it, like, maybe it's just because I knew it's based on real events that I found it, like prolonged and grisly oh, oh yeah they, watch, mean, that's they, fair. They,
1: they they stab abigail a lot like it's yeah, really yeah. prolonged and like unnecessarily like gruesome <clears throat> but i think you're right dan it's mainly because we know something like this happens to people you yeah. know and this yeah, moment, it's
4: not like dumb fake kids in the woods it's, yeah. yeah yeah that's
0: fair yeah. who deserve to die Oh no. uh, wow,
1: uh, <laughs> Dan that's that's the most extreme version of get off my lawn I can imagine
2: <laughs> I mean those kids are slaves to their destiny and their yeah. destiny as Dan puts it is to die I guess <laughs> but um, I mean all of is...
1: our destinies is to die to be honest we're all, it's all going to happen all of us just not at not different if times.
2: not if this ritual works out Elliot <laughs> but for
1: sure <laughs> you're right hand me that hand me that lizard I'll, I'll drain all the blood into this goblet and then we'll see if we can get going with the
2: ritual uh, Elliot, you're not allowed to drain a lizard on the podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, though, at this point, the, the so Sharon Get Tate it? and her friends have been killed, and there's quite a lot of movie left, and you're like, wait, yeah, hold on, what's yeah. going Where on? Where are we going? Yep, I was like, man, that's... It's a lot of time for bloops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That'd be amazing if there's just forty minutes of bloopers afterwards. Yeah. And depending on how you view the rest of the events of the movie, it could be considered be, bloops. Um, because it turns out what, what were what actually was the events of that night. Part of the thing that I found made this sequence kind of difficult to watch is that like the things that the things that the actors are saying feels like stuff that was taken from true accounts of the actual event, which makes it kind of harder to watch for me than like all the other scenes where people are re- like reading the dumbest lines I've ever heard in a movie right
4: like when Sharon starts calling for her mother like those were yeah. her last yeah it's, words. it's horrible yeah it's and
2: if it, it feels it, it feels there's something about like having seen a couple of biopics that also depict true crime stuff it's so weird to me when a filmmaker puts so much effort into accurately representing the the moments of violence but don't care about the other stuff Mm. and it like it feels so it, it just cheapens the whole process like watching the lords of chaos black metal uh biopic about the stuff in the 90s in norway and like it feels like they're recreating the exact number of times one dude stabs his friend but like everything else feels like lazy made up whole cloth you know like bohemian rhapsody um uh, so, who got
1: stabbed in Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> uh,
2: I don't want to spoil it for you, Alec, because I know you haven't seen it. But um, I,
1: I actually, actually, here's what I saw Freddy in Bohemian Mercury's Rhapsody. I, uh, kind. <laughs> I watched the very ending, and then I also saw someone. I saw someone was watching it on a plane, and I just kept looking over, and I was like, "This is the goofiest looking movie." Uh, like, I don't know why it was necessary for Rami Malik to have to literally have a horse's. Full set of teeth put in his mouth in it's order to insane. play the role. His
4: head is too small. His face is too small for those teeth. His face couldn't handle it. I would not have given him the role just based on face size. I'm sorry, guys.
0: Handle. Best actor winner, Rami I, Malik. I
2: do, I do love that the uh, that his uh, his little clip that they used for his his best actor performance is. Him lip-syncing to a
3: song, Yeah.
1: But doing a great job of it. I, w- I will say, he deserves an award, I guess, for acting with what must have been the most difficult facial prosthetic since <laughs> Planet of the Apes, I guess. Like, it must be really hard to act when there's, like, li- like there's a, basically, like, an mm-hmm. entire chalkboard in your mouth at the time while you're doing it. But yeah. he, to he be was fair. able to do it.
0: To be fair, his performance is not what's wrong with that movie. He, oh, he yeah. does a good job. Yeah, he does a the good movie, job in fine. a piece yeah,
4: of Ram, trash.
2: Rami Malik, if you're listening to this, you know, it's cool, buddy. Ramy, yeah.
4: I think it's cute that your face is small. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and I'm glad we could bring up another movie where the
1: director was, like Roman Polanski, just a cool dude, just a real good guy. <laughs> just a real awesome guy who live in a sterling, stainless life and not at all a destroyer of other people's lives. Nope.
2: So, after watching this horrible sequence... Sharon wakes up it was just a dream
3: oh mm. boy
2: okay now we have a new uh, we have a new title card it is Friday it is the next day mm-hmm. keeping us on track uh, <laughs> at, this is where we have a little scene in the breakfast table whoa what is it Woj, whoa Voigt? Whatever. Vojtchek, yep, is wearing a very cool kimono. Uh, Sharon then decides to go get a snack from the fridge. Uh Uh-oh, there's a disgusting, rotting animal in the refrigerator. (laughs) Uh
0: Uh-oh, Zool's in there.
2: (laughs) She keeps insisting there's a dead animal. Of course, there's no dead animal. She's just imagining things. Her friends are being bad. Yep. She's right.
1: If there's any meat in the fridge, there's a dead animal in there. Maybe there's some ham. Maybe there's some leftover chicken. She's right. It's not the dead animal she was scared of. Uh-huh. But all, unless we're vegetarians, all of our fridges have dead animals in them. So like, let's just let's just admit that she's right and be okay with okay. that. You know?
0: Okay, I guess. Uh... I guess I find for you, Elliot, on all counts. Yep. Um, case dismissed.
1: <laughs> justice Bud, Justice Air Buds, <laughs> says that I'm right on this case.
2: Wow, he's... Air, wait, Air Bud is the judge... Oh, wait, I guess... Yeah, justice is the name of a judge, not like... Not like the... the, the justice not is the, the name bailiff. of a fish. <laughs> oh. <laughs> justice is also the name of the fish. Natalie says with the intensity of somebody who loves serenity. Who loves serenity. Okay, so her friends are being mean to her. They're trying to calm her down. They keep trying to be like, you're just imagining things, or he's he's actually a great guy. He just cares for you. And she does not, she's not hearing it. She... Well, is she is try-
1: hearing it. That's what's making her so mad.
2: That's true. So she she's not, uh, she tries to get out of there. Uh She's trying to get to the bottom of her visions. <laughs> she goes and enlists the aid of Stephen, the uh groundskeeper Stephen parent to... uh help her do something with the, like, figure out what's wrong with the uh, the stereo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they listen to the song again. They talk about how uh, she, ex- while he's fiddling with the stereo, probably to make it from just starting up and playing whenever things are supposed to be scary. Uh, <laughs> she,
1: she... He's like, oh, here's the thing. This stereo is set to ominous.
2: Yep. You
1: got to set it to normal
2: play. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, uh huh. Yeah. Every time I go visit my parents, I have to go make that adjustment on their stereo. <laughs> so Sharon oh, literally Stephen's says. He's a real gadget
1: guy. He's a real gadget Yeah. She,
2: guy. she says, you're really into gadgets. And then says, you could be a world famous inventor someday. <laughs> <laughs> then he talks about how he hasn't seen his parents in a while. And, she, and they agree that he should probably go say goodbye to them or something. It's this really weird moment where you're like, I don't know.
1: He's it, he's a it's it's a weird. There's, they're trying to build a lot into this character, and I guess it's like another example of the movie saying like, "Oh, what potential lost that this guy was murdered? He could have been a great inventor someday, maybe. Who knows what his destiny was?" And yeah. then he becomes like a real, like anti-consumerism, like hardcore, yeah. <laughs> like uh, like uh, like avant-garde guy, like out of nowhere.
0: Well, this suddenly, is like like. He's like the only guy that stood out for me, but it was because the actor was playing him like such a sweaty weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> he's like
1: Dennis Weaver in Touch of Evil. Like that's the kind of character he's playing here. Just the, the weird hotel owner who's like wah, 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 like running yeah. around being a creep.
2: I do like I do like the idea that she she has this conversation this guy seems like a sweet guy, kind of down to earth, good with his hands, and then he starts like like always, starts freaking out about like subliminal messaging and stuff yeah,
0: because <laughs> cause there's, because there's backwards masking in this Charles Manson song. You know, if you run the tape backwards, you hear a message from him. I forget what it is. Do you remember? Helter skelter, helter skelter. What's yes, what's like the, the
1: phrase most associated with Charles Manson, Dan? <laughs> okay, because that's All what right. it is. I've blocked this movie like, out I of forget, my mind. There, it's something, some Beatles song. I guess they're saying here, there, and everywhere over and over yeah. again in the back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, wild honey pie. But
1: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's saying imagine. But that was a solo album, and it came out much later.
0: He talks about how uh,
2: sometimes people use backward masking to disguise satanic stuff or satanic messages. And Hilary Duff does this great line reading where she goes, "Satanic." <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. But also at this point, he like starts pacing around, and the movie starts like cutting like crazy. And he's like, he's like, yeah, advertisers use this all the time. And like, he's like, laying yeah, to out make this you big make you buy theory. things to be
1: zombies to buy things you don't need or want. And it's I was like. Oh, I finally understand what it's like when a woman goes on a first date.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this do. is what it's like. Oh, you're a real. You're you're a real gadget guy. You could be an inventor. Let me continue to compliment you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Anyway, <laughs> government's <laughs> lying to you and I'm a crazy person.
0: But also, I feel like this was like I feel like this is somewhat accurate to the period there was like a subliminal message like scare but at the same time f- from our perspective in 2019 like when we know how much bullshit like subliminal messaging is it was just kind of like oh whatever this guy's nuts like well,
1: and I think the subliminal message I guess there was around then people wondered about it but I feel like the big scare came years later
0: you know with like Heavy metal, yeah, with stuff. like,
1: with like, uh, Better by You, better than, better than Me, and stuff like that, where they were like, Oh, there's messages in these songs telling people to kill themselves, which was all crazy. But like, uh, maybe I'm maybe they, they were into it back then too, because there was all that revolution number nine backwards masking talk and things like that. I don't know, Dan, maybe you're right. You know what? Strike what I said, uh, Justice Airbud, strike what I said from the record. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's when the phone rings, interrupting his, uh, his rant, and the phone is for Sharon, but we're in this guy's weird trailer. Uh, she puts the phone to her ear. We just see her side of the conversation where she is very upset. She explains that it was a threat from Charlie saying they're all going to die. Okay, cut until nighttime where she's in her bedroom packing. <laughs>
1: well, she, she, uh, she spends some time remembering actual footage of, her, of the real wedding. Of Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, which is another yeah. weird choice. It's yeah. a very
2: strange choice. Yeah, and it's so it does if it does feel a little strange at this point that she just got a threat and then it seems like she waited hours to pack up. <laughs> um,
4: well, she had to watch the footage of her wedding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sh- we have she, a she, look like at me. She said. I mean,
1: <laughs> in a weird and it, it's less poignant than the scene in. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where Clark Griswold watches his old home movies in the attic. Like, that's, a, that's the level of emotion we're working with in the movie right now.
2: So there's a moment while she's packing up that she thinks she sees uh, Charles Manson in the mirror. That is not the case. He's not actually there. The phone rings, and it is not a monster. Well, no, it is a monster. Uh, it's Roman Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, we get a one-sided conversation with her uh, talking. I mean, Hilary Duff has given it her everything. Similar to the way that Kelsey Peters kind of gives it her everything uh, (laughs) when trying to promote Millennial. And she'll go to kind of any, like, she'll do anything she can to, like, help promote her brand. Um, You're listening to the Young House,
1: the Internet's
4: <laughs>
2: premier younger podcast, hosted by Stuart Wellington and nobody else—a a decidedly older no, person. I just
4: I just sit here and watch. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like technically part of it, but I like really just watch Stuart talk about younger.
2: We and haven't that, even done the entire segment that's just devoted to each episode's necklace that Miriam Shore, Miriam Shore wears. Yeah, oh, Diana man. Trout. What a what an actress! She's
0: great. Um, okay, <laughs> were you about y- to say she isn't Hedwig. a treasure oh, fan because
2: I. Uh, we would start
0: fighting Man of <laughs> younger i have less to say about it than you apparently but
2: okay so it seems uh it seems like roman doesn't believe her that her that her friends are in on a conspiracy against her her friends start banging on the door she goes and hides in the bathroom and starts filling up the tub or sink and all tub. of a sudden, the tub yeah. tub starts filling with no, blood. No, no, it's we one got...
1: of those huge ground-level sinks that, that Hollywood <laughs> homes have. <laughs> yep. These sinks are so big, you could take a bath in
2: them. <laughs> uh-huh, wow. Uh, is, that, is that what the realtor said to get you to purchase your recent home? Home? Purchase. Yes,
1: they, they. I was like, is there a bathtub in here? They said, no, but there is this huge ground-level sink that's so big that you could take a bath in it. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess, would you call uh-huh. it a bathtub? Yeah. I guess you could call it that if you were ignorant of architecture. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't understand that. I feel so stupid now, I better buy this house so the, so the real estate agent thinks I'm cool. And that's how it happened.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. He pressured you into doing it just so you'd think he was cool. Um, yeah. Or no, that he would think you were cool, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: okay, it was a so- she,
2: Okay, thank you. Um. And that's
1: that's the answer to that riddle. The real estate agent was a woman. Uh. I, I can't sell this house. This house is my son. How is it possible? <laughs>
0: Wait, you you explained the the part of it that I understood. But there's a there's a question that I still have about the thrill.
1: <laughs> no, no. Anyway, the other the other joke is, uh, Doctor, I can't sell sell myself a home. I am the real estate agent.
2: <laughs> uh, we then. What
1: other what other memes can we talk about? What other memes are there on Twitter right now? <laughs> so Dan, this... Uh, name this movie. Wrong answers only.
4: Oh no. We can do
0: uh, you know I've it. eaten the plums that are in the icebox thing. If you uh, oh yeah, there's have that too. Yeah. That. <laughs> so
2: the uh the sink tub fills with blood <laughs> the phone it is no longer roman speaking with her it is that subliminal message from the end of the tape and then uh she wakes up she was sleeping in steven's bed in his uh in his room it i guess she he explains that she had just recently uh, like after hearing that phone call she took a lie down seems like an odd choice but whatever um uh, <laughs> Uh, then she she feels some pain in her stomach in her you know abdomen and they're like wait is the baby coming and at this point I'm like whoa this will this is a crazy <laughs> is choice
4: departure
2: uh, and then they realize that the uh, the phone line has been cut Stephen goes to get help but as he's very slowly pulling out of the driveway. <laughs> this is safety always this <laughs> take,
1: safety. Steven, they call him.
2: Takes forever. <laughs> uh, the the Manson family pulls up in their car, blocking his exit. Sharon gets into the car, and they try to back away and run. The car gets in an accident, and they jump out of the car and go running down the hill. They manage to sneak back into the house. Uh, they try and alert their friends that uh, they're being attacked. They start to. Uh, secure the home uh meanwhile the women who are part of the manson family are like walking along the lawn saying like little (laughs) Little pig little pig pig, let let us in in. uh and it's we'll
4: huff and we'll puff and we'll blow your house in so they're just rhyming in within Uh and (laughs) that's also not the rhyme like it's well, I think so, are you
2: saying that's the biggest crime they commit over the course of the movie? Or? Yeah, I would
4: it, say so. It, Fuck you, it, Patricia Krenwinkel. That's not how it goes.
1: I, I th- I, it really feels like much like Randy Newman. They started the song not knowing how it would end, that, and they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, he mentions a chinny chin chin. Uh, let's not say that. That's not
4: scary. Uh, we'll just rhyme in within. That's what exactly. we'll do." And then little pig. <laughs> yeah, they're saying in the strangest
0: way, and this is the part where. It becomes clear. I mean, like it's it's become clear way earlier than this. But this is like the most egregious thing that they like. They have just turned. Is this turned... the most
1: egregious thing?
0: Well, no. I let me finish my sentence. The okay. most egregious example of them just turning this tragedy into a rote home invasion thriller. Yeah. Because uh-huh. like they might as well be like the strangers yes. at this point. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Except and they the... don't have masks. But yes. I feel like there's probably a moment while making the movie where they're like. Wouldn't it be scarier if they wore masks? Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, well, that didn't actually happen. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> well, what if they were like
2: bug people and they could spit
1: acid <laughs> at everybody? Again, not what happens, not, not reality. But I would say, Dan, I, I, that's the second most egregious thing to me. And I'll tell you what the most egregious thing is when we get to it after this. Hey, folks, are you worried about home security? I know I am as a new homeowner who just watched this Charles Manson movie. Not a good movie, and yet every night I worry that some crazy person is going to wander into my backyard. So, you know, do what I do. Check all the locks on your doors 15 times every night. This is Elliot Kalin for Paranoia.
0: Dan, back to you. Okay, I'm glad that you identified because I was going to ask you what the ad was for. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. For being paranoid and worried that at any moment a crazy person will walk in and they'll just be out, like standing at the foot of your bed looking at you. That's the scariest thing.
2: Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty scary. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but sometimes what if you're just lonely and you'd like somebody to talk to? This is me doing my ad for loneliness cured by having strangers <laughs> walk into your home. <laughs> I'm Stuart Wellington. Has
1: this ever happened to you? Boy, am I lonely. I wish a stranger would walk in and be my friend. Well, guess what? You're in luck. Just leave your doors unlocked.
2: Uh, yeah, leave, leave a trail of pennies, Reese's Pieces, whatever, leading into your home.
1: Hopefully a dog, an alien, maybe a crazy person. Yep. Hi, I'm, N- I'm Natalie Walker for Regret. I thought it would be cool to be a guest on a podcast I like. I was wrong. Now I'm worried for my safety. <laughs> yeah.
2: Ellie Walker for regret.
4: Uh, that so, was a very good impression of me, Elliot. <laughs> oh, yeah, no you appreciate it. You
2: should uh, slap that up on on Twitter.
4: Yeah, Elliot, well, you well, should do the ADR for any future projects <laughs> I do. Well, I've seen I saw the videos
1: of you doing different ladies parts in movies and I was like, she's a master of vo- of voices. She can do any voice. So why couldn't she
2: sound just like just me? Like so you. when I do my impression yeah. of her, I'll just do my voice. <laughs> <laughs> So they're securing the home, and uh oh, the nursery window has been left open. I don't know if there's that's some kind of a, if that's symbolism,
4: Dan.
0: Uh, probably just means that you know someone could get in through the nursery window if they wanted to. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: okay.
4: Uh-oh. But that when you invite a baby into your life, it opens you up.
1: Oh. Exactly, and you when you have a child, it <laughs> makes, makes you, you vulnerable.
2: vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow.
3: Thanks, um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, you and I are exactly on the same page. That's why I can do such an amazing impression all
3: time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So their efforts are in vain. The Manson family gets in. They like you know wrangle them into the living room. Uh, there are moments where we see flashbacks to her previous dream but there's some slight differences in this whole situation, including Abigail has hidden among the rafters. Uh, This was a new part of the home that I didn't know about. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) Just the exposed rafter beams uh above the
1: living room. Yeah.
2: She and Sharon, you know, having, having kind of experienced this whole thing through her dream, decides to write her own script, if you will. And she interrupts the, the killer, I guess his name is Tex from, uh, interrupts him from killing Jay. She offers to sacrifice herself. And then she whips out a knife that she has set aside and stabs Tex in the stomach. They kind of scramble. There's some jumping and running. They manage to get free. Um, she
4: also does like a line to him that's like, you're not the fucking devil.
3: Yeah. Before she does it.
4: I'm like, you wanted this to be like a Joss Whedon, like girl power. Because <laughs> yeah. I... Tex
1: keeps saying, I'm the devil. And I'm here to do the devil's business. Yes. Which
4: mm-hmm. is what he said. Yeah. But I don't now, think that Sharon Tate <laughs> said you're <love> not the fucking <laughs> Well Jimmy. no,
0: because this movie at this point This movie at this point pulls in glorious <laughs> bastards and rewrites history yes. to make uh make them t- kill the bad guys. They
1: yeah. become like such badass fighters. Yeah. And they're really like taking the fight to the Manson family. And to the point where I there's a they start killing them off, and there's a part where Waj drowns a woman in a bathtub and I was like, You had her defeated. Like yeah. now I feel bad for the home invaders like <laughs> you're taking lethal force when you don't really need to right now but they're, yeah, they just that... become so amazingly good at defending themselves
2: not a fan of that scene. If I want to watch uh, a much larger man beat up a woman in a bathroom, I'm going to watch Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> uh, because at least they're both Terminators, you know. Then yeah, it's yeah, even, of course. It's,
1: a, it's an even fight. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm.
4: Does Harrison Ford drown Michelle Pfeiffer in the bathtub in What Lies Beneath?
0: Lies Beneath? I don't... Sort of does. I mean, she doesn't die. Oh, man. Spoiler.
2: Yeah,
1: let's not spoil What Lies Beneath, the movie that was spoiled by the trailer for the movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I saw that movie when I was living in Germany Where it's known as Schatten der Wahrheit oh. uh, And it was really fun to watch in German <laughs> You know, because I can only understand about half of the words they said
1: You were like, I'm watching it, you're like Harrison Ford speaking German It's like some alternate universe where Indiana Jones was a Nazi
2: Uh-huh, yep That's exactly how I felt. Um, (laughs) They would call him Bavaria Jones. Mm -hmm. They manage to get free. They get to uh, Stevens' trailer where he tries to get his ham radio working and they're calling for help. Tex is chasing after them. Uh, Wojciech kills the woman in the bathroom. Tex is trying to track them. And then they turn the tables on him, surprise him and murder him or not. I guess kill him. They, uh, I think,
1: I think a court would rule it self defense. Probably
2: yeah. they leave. They're like, there's this scene, a sequence of them like, you know, our our five buddies as they're called, uh, walking <laughs> walking up the driveway. <laughs> yeah, they'll be
1: forever known as history in history as the five buddies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slow motion.
2: You know, this is this like they've uh, they've managed to get through hell. You know, uh, that kind of a sequence when they get to the entrance to the uh, the entrance to the home and uh Sharon turns around and now we're back at the the opening of the movie the home is a crime scene but the bodies that, and the bodies that are lying out are the bodies of her friends. She pulls the, uh, the cover off of one of the bodies and it has her own face.
4: I also love that the body under the sheet is so obviously her. Like you can see <laughs> her huge bump uh-huh. underneath and she still has to go over to it and pull it down. And mm-hmm. it's like a jump scare for her. Yeah. Maybe somebody's
2: <laughs> like- holding a beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Homer Simpson's
4: body? I have to check.
2: <laughs> uh So she sees her own body and then and then she walks out to where her friends are like happily waiting for her. There's a lot of like slow motion shots of the police trying to keep paparazzos at bay.
1: It is hilariously low budget. There's like four guys in suits with old timey uh, <laughs> cameras and they are barely trying to get around the one extra playing a police officer who is barely trying to stop them. It's so low energy and like tiny. I thought it was, I thought that moment was really funny.
2: <laughs> so she and she walks out where her friends are all hanging out. It has the, like, emotional intensity of one of those, like, Tumblr posts where somebody, anytime a celebrity dies and they write some kind of, like, fan fiction about that celebrity getting to heaven with a bunch of other dead
4: celebrities. Oh, yeah. And, like, a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they all welcome Sharon
0: Tate like it's the end of Lost or something. Like, yeah. they're all, like, lined up and smiling. Mm-hmm.
2: But not as emotional as the end of
0: Lost, which is soul crushing.
2: And uh, How and does it there's... compare to the, what you
1: imagine the eventual series finale of Younger will be like?
2: <laughs> oh man well at at that point uh they have just managed to close the portal to the neither realm <laughs> <laughs> Quan chi has been defeated okay <laughs> so younger takes a real turn <laughs> yeah they, it uh it melds with the mk universe and uh <laughs> <laughs> so we wait, shouldn't just... have published that book by uh shao khan <laughs> <laughs> so does goro work at the publishing house <laughs> no goro died elliot I have no oh, idea sorry, what's happening. No. <laughs> and then uh,
0: shifting alignments. Now Natalie and I are <laughs> yeah. in sync. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about this. We'll, we'll we'll finish this later on the younger cast. Then, um,
1: now I just I imagine Scorpion at a book release party, and he sees someone he knows across the room, and he goes, "Get over here!" and then uh-huh. gives him a hearty hug.
2: <laughs> yep, that's that's great. <laughs> um, he he leaves the uh, the chain dagger
0: at home, though. He does not take that with him. Oh no, Lord. that'd be a um, weird combat. thing to bring
1: to a book release yep. party. So uh,
0: we then. We, Stuart has just put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, I like he's proud of me for finally knowing what you're talking about. So then we then
2: we cut to that interview that we had previously seen, and Sharon says something like, "I guess I live in a fairy tale world or something," and then uh, and probably always will. And then end of movie.
0: So at the end, are they ghosts or are they split into an alternate dimension where?
2: I gotta assume they're ghosts. I think they're ghosts. The movie says Haunting of Sharon Tate. Okay.
1: And this is what I found most egregious about it was that the movie seemed to be saying to me, oh, it was possible for them to defend themselves and not be killed, but they failed at it. You know, or like, well, if they had had their druthers, she would have planned ahead for this kind of thing. And I found that really disgusting. The idea that, like, by implication, they're like, oh, yeah, well, there was a, there was a, there's an alternate universe where they turned the tables and lived. And, uh, but I guess the ones in our reality they didn't, couldn't yeah, pull it off.
4: Like, they didn't take the story into their own hands enough. Yes. They, and, it's, and it's a
1: real—it's one of those things—I don't think the filmmakers mean it this way, but it doveties, dovetails really well into, that, into the viewpoint that says, well, if you don't have a gun in your house, you're just asking for someone to break in and kill you. Because yeah. you're not ready. You're not living at code red. You're living at code white, you
2: know, and that kind of stuff, which I find disgusting.
1: Not to get political, guys. Look, I know this is all about funzos.
2: But there's also, there's also a th- an element of, like, when she walks up to see her friends, they're happy. And that, like, that also plays into the idea of, like, oh, they're in a better place, and you're like, well, I think you're minimizing the fucking bullshit that like, happened. Like, You're minimizing the horrors that were perpetrated on them.
0: Yeah. All right. Final judgments. Was this a good, bad movie, bad, bad movie, or movie kind of like? I'm going to say I am perfectly happy watching the most horrific violence if it's a, a make-em-up, make but uh, as soon as it becomes a real-life thing, I get tremendously soft-hearted, and so watching this was possibly my least favorite movie we've ever watched. So, Bad Bad. Wow.
2: Yeah. Uh, milestone. Uh, yeah, this is a Bad Bad movie. It's offensive, uh, and it is disrespectful, uh, but at least it's also incredibly poorly made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Real Oscar Wilde.
1: <laughs> yeah. I learned during this recording that Hillary Duff shot all her scenes in two days, and I'm like, ah, oh, that makes perfect sense. This feels like a movie that was shot in a couple days around a house. Yeah. But, uh, I'm with you guys, bad, bad. Okay, Natalie, we've teed you up to be the big change vote. You're the and one who's going to turn us around.
4: I'm not going to do it. This is a terrible movie. <laughs> I did not enjoy watching it. It was tough. It was tough. My favorite, Serenity, had already been taken.
1: Sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, it thus begins the Walker-Jaffe feud. I years. know.
4: No, well, I, I told Jenny. I was like, if it had to be someone other than me, then I'm glad it was you. Because realistically, <laughs> I love her. But um, yeah, this movie is such a relentless bummer to watch yeah there's just nothing about it that is fun bad at all and i i feel like i'm having bad luck with i want movies to be fun bad and Uh i'm having bad luck recently i also saw ma and ma was similar welcome to marwin was also not fun bad for me oh Oh, so you're saying we
1: should not do welcome to marwin for this i'm saying you
4: can do welcome to marwin i'm
2: she washes her hands i wash my hands of (laughs) it. yeah now, your your friend who watched it, uh, had your friend accurately like set you up for expectation-wise for this movie? I
4: think so. She was just like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. I feel like she just needed someone else sure. to experience the uh-huh. insidious evil of it. Yeah. Um, it's like a ring video. Tape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That she's like, I need to know. Because she also knows that I will watch most bad movies. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh.
2: Oof. Dan, uh, what you going through Tinder over there?
0: Uh, I I am taken. Thanks, Stu. But I am um, looking at our ads. Oh, looking uh, at our Dan, ads. Dan, okay. should
1: I? Should we go straight to that, or should I do my kind of half-assed Jesus Christ superstar parody that I was gonna do when when uh, Natalie said I wash my hands of welcome tomorrow? In yes, uh, please, please do okay. Jesus Christ, do Christ superstar. I was gonna do. I was gonna do a line from the trial before Pilot where Great. he goes. I was gonna say. I wash my hands of welcome to Marwin. <laughs> yes! Die if you want to, et
4: cetera, et
1: cetera.
4: Okay.
1: Great. You innocent. Puppet. But the original line is, I wash my hands of your demolition.
4: Yes. It's the best, it's the best part.
1: Um. Oh, it's a great, that whole sequence is great. Great album, great show. I give Jesus Christ Superstar a good, good (laughs) review.
3: (laughs) Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller.
0: Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of.
3: Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives.
0: Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince Joni Mitchell and so much more.
3: Uh, What's that show called again?
0: Heat Rocks Deep Dives Into Hot Records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. (sighs) There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic.
4: Avast! It's actually pronounced... Biopic. No, you
3: dingus! It's biopic! Who
4: the hell says that? It's biopic. It's the the words words, for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough.
2: Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? by pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other
0: with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. Uh, we're sponsored in part by Squarespace, uh-huh. the service that allows you to create a beautiful website. Cool. To turn your idea into a new website. Every week, I look at that copy and I say... Why is there a website twice? (laughs) But (laughs) you can use said website to showcase your work, announce an upcoming event or special project, do uh, e-commerce to -hmm. sell anything you like, and more. It's got beautiful templates created by world-class designers, free and secure hosting, nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Check out squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: Now Dan, I had a f- website that I was wondering if Squarespace could help me with.
2: Probably. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Now And you're, uh, and
2: Natalie's kind of a tech head, right? You're kind of a like a computer freak. <laughs> <Such> a <laughs> a computer yeah, you're really freak. into gadgets just like uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> just like what's his name? Stephen Steven Parent, yeah. Yeah. Now As mentioned earlier, I get very paranoid at night in my new house that I own about the locks being locked. (laughs) And so I was wondering if there. and whenever I go to check them, the locks are already – they're locked. It's almost never unlocked. So I was wondering uh, about a website. It's called Com And – the website, I guess it would be an app, would unlock the locks in my house so that when I go check them, I go, oh, thank goodness I checked this. It was, lo- it was unlocked. I needed to lock it. As opposed to right now where I check it and it's locked already and I go, well, that was a waste of my time. Wait, but what if the lock automatically unlocked in the time since I walked from the door to my bed? I better mm-hmm. check it again. Better to have the app that unlocks it so I could be like, oh, good, this
0: wasn't a waste of my time. Yeah.
4: So you're not pitching a website but an app. <laughs> I guess it's an app. I mean,
0: you can use a Squarespace website to sell it.
4: This is why we needed, a tech, we needed a
1: tech head like Natalie to point out the difference to me.
2: <laughs> uh, now, wouldn't you also need to develop the technology to unlock the locks? Or do you just need a website that says, where you're like, uh, dear website, did I lock my doors? And it just says, yes. Yes. What's yeah, like it's that? just
4: the Is It Christmas website.
2: Yeah, or that website that tells you if Abe Vagoda is alive or not. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. No, that was, that was exactly what I was going to say. I thought you were going to – that was the original pitch I thought you were going to do is like, are my locks locked or not? And it's the Abe Vagoda thing. Just,
1: well, no, because I know the locks are locked because I've already checked them four times that night. What okay. I need is something that makes it worthwhile when I go back to check for the fifth time. So, Natalie, if we could work together and you could develop this kind of website unlocks a lock <laughs> remotely
4: technology, Yeah, that'd yeah be I'm an engineer. <laughs> oh great. Women in STEM. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. So the next ad I just closed for some reason. <laughs> uh-
1: <laughs> I feel like that is that is like if I saw that in a movie about Dan McCoy, I'd be like, two on the nose. This metaphor about Dan's life.
0: The Fluff House is also part pro- sponsored. Dan,
1: you did, you did a solo ad read during a, during a previous episode, and you were like, uh, hold on, I haven't gotten the stuff ready yet. I'll do it right now. And I'm like, Dan, you're recording this at home by yourself. Why
0: didn't you just get it ready first? <laughs> no, it, it, when I it doesn't matter. Something was cut off in the, in the email, so I had to vamp for a long time. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Flop House is also sponsored in part by Z-Man Games. Oh, great. It's about the... They're the creators of Pandemic Rapid Response.
2: And the other Pandemic titles.
0: Well, yeah. but this is the new one that they're promoting. Cool. Disaster has struck, and cities around the world are in desperate need of food, water, vaccines, and other supplies. With a specially equipped cargo plane, you and your team are uniquely capable of providing life-saving aid anytime, anywhere. Pandemic Rapid Response is a race against time. Roll dice to create supplies, fly the plane, and make deliveries to cities in need. As the timer counts down, you must quickly coordinate and work together to react to new disasters. Can you save humanity in time? It's a new standalone board game set in the beloved Pandemic universe with frantic (laughs) real-time gameplay and a quick 20-minute playtime. Find more! About pandemic rapid response at Zmangames.com and grab your copy of the game from a target near you. I have to say that reading copy I feel a lot sillier when Natalie's here. Wow. <laughs> Is why. it because she
2: keeps making faces at you? <laughs> no, I don't
4: mean to. I have a very expressive. She's face. very <laughs> intently I'm a, watching this. I... No, well I I go out for voiceover a lot for copy and stuff. Uh. And so I'm just like I was Actually, just thinking, you have a lot of natural ability when you uh-huh. are reading copy for something that you seem to actually like. And, oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, well, the
2: look on your face when you just sound so excited to be reading a copy for a board game—something that you notoriously
0: despise—but mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> you were really painting a picture for me. Yeah, with the pandemic. Well, uh,
2: that's
0: a good copy, I gotta say.
2: Yeah, it's good copy. Uh, pandemic games are a lot of fun. Um, yeah. this is just the latest installment. I mean, beloved Who universe. Who is
4: Z-Man? Is Z-Man a man?
2: I think it originally it originally was the <laughs> and, then games he became, like, and then he
1: became a being of pure board game
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. made up of naught but meeples and cards um but he uh or he uh the pandemic i think it's funny that they do say beloved uh universe because like the pandemic games are about humanity like trying not to die off from infections <laughs> but they are really good games they're 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 great games and they're some of my favorite because they're cooperative games yes so they're and they're pretty easy for new players to pick up. So they're a great way to kind of introduce friends who might not be like hardcore board gamers into like a night of board gaming fun. Now, as uh, you may, and they, as you may they,
1: know, uh, oh, sorry, Stuart, I'll,
2: uh,
1: uh, I don't mean to cut you off. I was going to tell you it's a personal fine. anecdote. Uh-huh. Do it. Okay. Now, as you may know, my son Sammy is a steward in training. He loves games. He loves board games. And I was worried at first that this game would be like a little too complicated or scary for him but it was not it was totally into it and we still haven't fully gotten the hang of solving the pandemic a a grown man working with a five year old to figure Mm -hmm. out how to save save the world (laughs) but uh, but we've been having a lot of fun with it and I also I love that it's a that these are cooperative games and so there's like there's not that element of beating your friends basically Mm -hmm. and it's like oh we're working together and we either all lose together which is sad but at least we did it together or we all won together in which case we did it we won this is great
2: Mm -hmm.
4: it's like an escape room but it's, a board game. <laughs> you can actually
2: buy board game versions of Escape Rooms. Oh, wow. Uh, so after the podcast, we'll crack <laughs> this one out.
4: Sounds good.
2: But but
1: let's have people buy the board game that we're advertising and not that.
4: Uh, I'm so glad Sammy made an appearance on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, we got a little... He's little, one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. Well, sent they, they Z-Man Games sent me a copy of the game and they and I was like, oh, I can't wait to play this with Sammy. And my wife was like... Uh, it is about a pandemic, <laughs> so, like, do you think it's appropriate? And I'm like, eh, he'll figure it
0: out. So, sorry, I don't want to cut off any more Sammy talk, but I believe we have a couple of Jumbotrons. Uh-huh. I'll give you a little time maybe to pull them up on your old email devices. I'm since all ready. I, uh, Mine is ready. Oh, Dan, it?
1: before every episode, I make a Word document with an outline of what I need to do in that episode so that I'm ready to do it. <laughs> okay, nerds. <laughs> it's Thanks called sports. It's say. called it's called treating this professionally.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like to think I bring a wild card energy to the show. Oh, very yeah, much so. Sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. We are now in the jumbotron portion of the show. Uh, this message is from Jetta, Yuki, Jules, Teddy, and Ha Hana. Hana, yeah. Okay. We are ordinary, run-of-the-mill house cats, and are in awe of your fame and celebrity. Archie, we prick up our ears at your restless background noise, and house cat, your super coolness would thrill us even more if we had not had our vital sexual equipment altered. Keep up the cattiness. What a lovely little message for the cats of the Flophouse. house. Mm-hmm uh well thank you for your message i will relay it to the house cat who as i've mentioned before is currently on sabbatical <laughs> <laughs> he's working on a new book right oh yeah of course uh and archie is currently over there licking his tummy in a way that i attempt to all the time <laughs> and i just can't bend that way
0: uh Elliot, do you have something
1: i do have a jumbotron message hey guys If you enjoy both history and the off-topic nonsense of the floppers, check out The Revisionists, hosted by Brian Flynn and Zach Powers. Each episode, they welcome a comic to discuss a historical topic. One person tells the true story, another comes up with an alternate history, and the winner gets to become the truth. Join us every other Saturday and find out just how often real history is more fascinating than what three comics can make up. Look for The Revisionists on your podcast app or at revisionistpodcast.com. That's Revisionists podcast.com. I should make it clear that the URL is plural. Do you need to Sounds revise to make... your previous statement? I revise, you know what? Strike my previous website from the record and make it instead revisionistspodcast.com.
0: And before we plug our uh remaining live shows for the year or I mean maybe not for the year, who knows, but our remaining live shows in our current tour. Like I like to say remaining.
1: Wanna... It's most of them.
0: Well, okay. Uh before we plug those <laughs>
1: Um, you made it sound like we're barely, like we're almost done with this tour. No, we have most of the shows in the tour left.
0: So when and I it's was... not a tour technically. Yeah. Okay. This but t-shirt it, you know contest. What, so, you know what?
1: Tour is also a publisher, much like on
2: Younger. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. It would be a rival. Although it's interesting that uh, in in the world of Younger, Imperial has the author a uh, George R. R. Martin surrogate, yes, Edward L. L. Moore, uh, who is a depiction of a George R. R. Martin type character, warts and all, but. Uh, clearly, you know, wh- whatever. We'll, we'll get into it in younger cast.
0: Okay. <laughs> All I wanted to say was the T-shirt contest is ongoing. I realized that I previously said that at the end of June, would the voting would close, mm-hmm. but I don't think we actually had a chance because of being out of town, doing those other episodes. We didn't mention it on the podcast. So I'm going to extend the voting to the end of July. That's July 30th. If you go to flophousepodcast.com, and navigate your way over to the blog section. There is a place where all of the finalist T-shirt designs are up, and you can vote for your favorite. And then we will announce the winner. Yeah, and they're after super awesome. July. They're really cool. We got a lot of a lot of great stuff. Uh, Elliot, you usually like to do the the plugs for the events. Do you want to do that?
1: No, I just got thrown off that you said the end of July would be July 30th when there are in fact
2: 31 days in July. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The reason why it took Elliot a while to respond is because he did a Bazooka Joe flip take of that information.
0: <laughs> I
1: was like, I was like, wait, am I in an alternate universe where there are 30 days in July? Is this a Mandela effect moment for me? The
0: weird thing is I pulled up my calendar to see what the end of July was, and I did not see the 31st. I yeah, just there was saw a the splotch of
2: mustard on his phone. <laughs> no. 31st. Sorry,
0: so the 31st, everyone.
1: Dan, Dan has a weird uh, a weird syndrome known as 31 blindness. We you actually no, can't isn't. see the number 31, or people who are 31 years old.
2: How weird. Okay, uh, guys,
1: let's talk about our upcoming shows. Speaking of the number 31, turn that number around. You get 13. July 13th, we'll be at, in <laughs> Minneapolis at the Parkway. That's right. That show, though, is sold out, that I believe. That show
0: is sold out. Uh, I need to talk to you guys about maybe releasing a couple comps, and then, so keep an eye out. I feel maybe, like, like no
2: time like doing it on the air.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm... <laughs> I'm saying that because it's pertinent to the listener. There may be, like, a few tickets. Yeah, we're we're going to try and release a few extra shows. uh, That are released, so so take a look about that but yeah take a, a look at the
1: website it is mostly sold out but we may release a couple more tickets that's july 13th then you skip ahead to september that's right we're taking august off september 28th we're gonna be in bean town boston itself cradle of the revolution our 7 p.m show at wbur city space is sold out but our nine forty five show not sold out yet so come on by if you're in boston or the surrounding new england area Area and,
2: and then we the are And ma- we're specifically, I'd like to point out, we're going to be doing two different movies for that. Yes. Uh, so if you have tickets for the first show and you're like, "That's not enough silliness," I want to watch them talk about a completely different movie. In theater for four uh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> if,
1: and, you're like, if you're like, "I don't want if, to see them talk about Battle Angel Alita again," no, no, no. We'll talk about a different movie. I don't even know if and, we're going to do that movie, but.
2: And having recently been part of a live show in that venue. If you miss one of the shows, but just want to stand outside and watch us from the windows, you can easily do that because there are floor-to-ceiling windows behind the audience. Oh, that sounds great! Uh,
1: so mm-hmm. we'll get to see all of Boston's bad driving while we while we talk. <laughs> wow! Take that, Bean Town. Okay, so yeah, if you want to see both shows, come and see it. You could do a real. Flophouse Movie Marathon. And then October 12th, we're going to be in my hometown of L.A. I love L.A. Randy Newman. Again, mention him again. (laughs) We're going to be in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. That's October 12th. So to recap, Minneapolis, July 13th. There may be a few more tickets going on sale. Boston, September 28th. Two different shows. First one sold out, second one not. Two different movies. October 12th, Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. That's That's the show's that's Come on <laughs> by and see us. <laughs> and it. as always, we'll be doing our show-exclusive PowerPoint presentations and also selling live show-exclusive merchandise.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that that lengthy uh, bit of business is over That we with, got to bore our guest with. Let's move on to letters.
4: I'm coming on tour.
0: <laughs> oh, oh wow. <laughs> cool. Wow, that's new to us. That's yeah. probably
4: welcome. Gotta happen the truck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Letters from listeners. This first one. Letters from whom? Listeners. Okay. Listeners like the ones listening right now. What a bunch of creeps listening into our conversation. (laughs) What kind
1: of people are listening right now? What kind of people are listening to us? Dan calls them creeps. Dan calls them creeps. And Dan's pretty creepy, so I think he would know. Hey, Dan, how'd you get so creepy? Hey, Dan, the beard doesn't help. Hey Dan, you also look sleepy. Hey Dan, nothing much rhymes with help. We have someone,
2: I mean
3: I'm so delighted. <laughs> I was worried, I, wasn't and the funny thing is be
2: believe that Elliot required that much fucking prompting. <laughs>
1: well, the there's a lot is, of pressure when I have, when we have an actual theater person. Well, to was was episode Natalie no, has my a favorite
0: lovely singing voice. Often does cabaret like professionally and someone someone who we, have... we know
1: saying at least one part of all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs>
4: uh, I was so worried there wasn't going to be a song this time. I kept I was like looking over. <laughs> I was like, oh God, what a delight!
0: Okay, well, I just worked so hard for that song. This <laughs> <laughs> first letter is from Joshua, last name withheld. Jackson. Who says, dear pages. Oh. Pacey. Uh huh. I recently finished a crazy movie challenge for myself in which I watched. A movie I've never seen before. For every year between 1920 and 2018, 99 movies in total.
1: I mean, if it t- he, he did it between 1920 and so, like he did a movie a year. That's not that bad. He's old, I guess, mm-hmm. but to stick with it for all, for almost a hundred years is pretty crazy. <laughs> <Yeah. but. laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, over the course of about ten months, oh, I was able to watch <laughs> some stone cold <laughs> classics like The Passion of Joan of Arc, Anatomy of a Murder, and The Thin Man. I also managed to watch some real stinkers like Tideland, The Jazz Singer, and Once Upon a Time in America. Come at me, Internet. In between were some real oddities that I might never have otherwise caught up with, like The Adventures of Prince Ahmed and Tetsuo the Iron Man. My two-part question for you is this. Have you ever presented similar movie-related challenges for yourself, and what were they? And what should my next challenge be? Thank you, as always. Joshua, last name withheld.
1: I'll Anyone? jump in and say that uh, yeah. this is something I always, when I was a teenager in high school, hard to believe I was ever that young. I had a bunch, of some friends where I was like. I, I, every weekend we should watch like a whole series of movies like we should watch all the plan of the apes movies or like watch all the james bond movies for a couple weekends and none of my friends ever wanted to do that with me and so i desperately want to do something like this and didn't so i guess the closest thing would be when me and my old friend brock went to the guggenheim and watched all the Master movies one after another <laughs> in one day and it was like eight or nine hours of just sitting there and you couldn't leave or else somebody would take your seat. So I was just sitting there in the Guggenheim Theater with one package of goldfish and a bottle of water, and that was all that I had all day, and it was crazy. Oh, boy. That's, I mean, that is a challenge. Yeah. Okay. And you, and you know what? I came through that challenge stronger and with very firm opinions on which of the Master movies are good and which are not. Allow me to explain. So, um,
0: anyway, <laughs> I... I don't know if I have a good one for this. I've got. I've done a few like movie marathons at the Alamo where I've sat through like four or five movies at a time mm-hmm. and uh, stayed awake for most of it. And uh, otherwise, like sounds
2: not... like, sounds pretty charitable. But go on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, the first thing that springs to mind. It's not a a movie challenge, but I find it sort of amusing. My church group when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, arranged an event where like we just movie hopped in a theater you know we paid for everything ahead of time and then just like we saw three movies in a row and the movies we saw were robin hood men in tights the fugitive and so i married an axe murderer i don't know i just found that 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 That's smorgasbord right, remember, amusing yeah. somehow Wait, I mean, which my... robin hood prince of thieves or men in tights, men in tights. okay
1: uh, my my family we used to do that a lot. We would go and we'd see like a couple movies in one day. And I do remember the day we saw three movies. We saw The Lion King, another movie that I do not remember, and Getting Even with Dad, starring Macaulay Culkin <laughs> and Ted Danson. And it was like, and afterwards we all walked out. We were like we should not have started the day with The Lion King. We should have yeah. ended with The Lion King because <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was such a drop off in quality.
0: Uh, anyone else have movie challenges?
1: Uh, but did he ever get even with Dad? Hmm. He does get even with Dad. That's good to hear. It involves stolen money. Uh-huh. in a bag hanging on a mannequin in a display window. This is a movie I saw once when I was a kid, and I remember it better than I remember things that happened to me in real life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, recently, before Avengers Infinity War, I watched all of the Marvel movies in order, not in one sitting. Oh, yeah, uh, I did that, too. But spread out over, you know, a couple of weeks. But that's, I don't, I don't know, that's pretty... I mean, I've watched like, all the Star Wars movies in a row, but that was back when there was only, like, three to six of them. Let's <laughs> see. I mean, the the coolest thing I ever did was... Really? Uh, gonna... No, this is hands down the coolest okay. thing I ever did was when uh, <laughs> Return of the King was being released in movie theaters. Uh-huh. I bought tickets to one of the few showings of uh, where they would show the extended version of The Fellowship of the Ring followed by extended version of Two Towers, Short break and then an early uh, screening of Return of the King, and there weren't that many theaters uh, doing that. So I wonder was, why. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, I don't know. I feel like now that kind of a marathon would was was pretty common. Yeah, that's but true. But the uh, the cool thing was they they made a point of telling us to be in our seats early before Return of the King, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be good. And of course, before the movie, they brought out Dominic Monaghan, Sean Astin. Elijah Wood and Andy Circus to introduce the movie. I was very lucky that it wasn't Peter Jackson or else I probably would have gone to jail oh, for man. attacking him uh, with love, not uh, violence. But sometimes it's, you know, it gets confusing. Um, He's
4: a very nice man.
2: Wait, Peter Jackson? Yeah.
4: Oh, wow. I got to meet him at Vulture Comic-Con because they had me like run their interview studio. And I've literally never seen any of the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want to mm-hmm. murder me with <laughs> no, a, no, I just... Gun. I mean, but I'm she- jealous yeah. that I, d-
2: I don't get to be you and see them for the first time.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day, oh my God, you and my boyfriend, you're just waiting. I'm like nervous that I will hate it because mm-hmm. the people that I know love it so much and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like my bag but he's everything you would want him to be he's just like a sweet little winnie the pooh bear man yeah he was in like a white button down and the bottom the bottom button was unbuttoned and the whole interview <laughs> you could just see his little tommy popping out it's adorable, <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. Oh, he was great. lovely and he said he wanted more than anything because i talked to him about being making cameos in his own stuff and uh-huh. i said if you could do a cameo on whatever he was like i want to be a zombie on the walking dead but i want to be a good zombie that like kills someone i don't want to be just like a walk-on zombie i want to have an actual meaty role oh yeah meaty, meaty pun intended i guess yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, that's oh, great wow. Natalie, oh, that's a great this, story. Or is
0: this just something that dumb people do?
4: No, I have always uh, wanted or to do cool
0: people like the guy who wrote
4: in. <laughs> I've always wanted to do something like this, sort of similar to Elliot. I had like no friends in, in middle school, and so I was always like, What if I did this and I like got a friend to do this with and it felt mm-hmm. sad doing it by myself, so I just didn't do it but we used to have like marathons my family would have marathons mostly in that um, my mom is obsessed with denzel washington mm-hmm. and she would have on certain weekends she would have a denzel festival and she, cool. would <laughs> just, she would just have, we would watch like six or seven denzel washington movies in a weekend and like you didn't have to sit down and watch them the whole time but they would just be constantly yeah. on throughout so yeah that's probably the that closest sounds pretty thing. Great. i've thought about doing the marvel Mm -hmm. run through everything. Nicole Silverberg did it. Nicole Silverberg is like a really funny, wonderful comedy writer for uh, Sam B. And she, this spring, went through all of them and had like a Twitter thread of all of her thoughts on them. And it made me really want to watch them because she had sort of the exact take that I feel like I would have had. And it Uh seemed like she had fun.
0: All right.
2: Yeah, I had a good time doing it. I had no takes. I just... Watched
3: him. (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's move on to the next letter from Mike, last name withheld. Uh He writes, Dearest Floppers, I think I have an answer to a question you brought up during the Serenity episode. Wondering Mm -hmm. why Matthew McConaughey seems to have a thong tan. This must have been... (laughs) Did that come up? (laughs) Stuart said something about it. Talked about
2: his uh, whale tail tan.
0: This (laughs) must have been made immediately after filming The Beach Bum, in which neon thongs are among the tamer parts of his wardrobe, which also includes flip-up shades... Velcro sneakers, and floral dresses. I hope this has brought you a small amount of peace. Love, Mike's last name withheld. Has this brought you peace, Stuart? Mm-hmm.
2: I think I can sleep again.
0: <laughs> what, th-
1: what this tells me is that Matthew McConaughey is choosing his roles based on whether
2: he's at the beach while he's making uh-huh. them. <laughs> I mean, Adam Sandler's entire movie career is based on where he wants to go on vacation. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true. His entire movie career. Little Nicky, Billy Madison... <laughs> Yeah. Punch drunk love. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs>
0: I mean, they do. Go, they do go to Hawaii at one point in that, but <laughs> I oh, don't yeah, think that true. was his motivating factor. Okay. Well, this is a short letters segment this week. I have one more. It's a very short one. It's from my dad. Last oh. name withheld. Oh. And he Wait, says the name
1: is my dad, or it's your dad.
0: It's my dad.
1: Wait. Me. Yeah. Is the name my dad or it's your dad? No.
0: Me Dan. I have a father, and uh-huh. this is him.
1: Okay, and his name is my dad?
0: No. His name, his name is Jerry.
1: Oh, okay. Last name withheld.
0: Yeah. And dad says, I'd like to recommend a movie I've just seen... The Guernsey Liter- Literary and Potato Peel Society. Charming story, beautiful scenery, and good acting. <laughs> now, Dad, sh- Dad should know by now that we don't really take requests, unless he wins a contest. Um, Maybe he should get out, up with he, a t-shirt wait, design. Wait, I thought he liked it. Yeah, he liked he it. He likes it. <laughs> I think he doesn't fully understand the oh, premise of the show. Is this a, for the recommendation segment, you think? Of m-
4: yeah. What, think do
0: we, what do we think the... <laughs>
4: he says what, this good acting and... What do
0: we think the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society is about, guys? No, it's one know, of let's these like Downton Dad Abbey extravaganza. Oh, okay. so I
4: remember seeing things. It's like everyone's in like period clothes, I think. And oh, it's not vaguely, like a... vaguely eccentric, quirky. Oh, okay.
2: I, I I saw the ads for the Downton Abbey movie as like a trailer. And I've never seen the show, and I felt like the trailer was assuming my interest level was higher.
4: Oh, yes. No, they're going into this movie being like, everyone loves this. I watched the first season, and then I was like, okay.
0: Yeah, I mean... cool. I watched it up until Matthew died,
4: and I'm like, "What's the point of this?" Yeah, dance my boy, Dan Stevens
1: is I gone. I mean, oh, to be man. to be honest, to be
4: honest, I don't think
1: anyone's jumping on the Downton Abbey train now with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with Avengers, uh, Avengers End the reviews stopped being like, "But does it stand on its own as a movie?" Because it's like, why? Why would you? Why would you <laughs> Who ask cares? that question?
2: Do you think it? But do you think they're like maybe it'll be like a like a Serenity and Firefly type thing where people will who have not seen the television show because it didn't have as many viewers originally, uh, will see the movie and then want to go back and watch it?
1: I I doubt it. I mean the same way that I don't think Deadwood the movie is the ideal jumping on point for newbies to the Deadwoody verse. You know, like I uh, I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of uh, casual walk-ins for the Downton Abbey movie, which okay. I assume is called Downton Abbey Infinity War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Alonso Duraldo was talking on, on Linoleum Knife. Is he on Linoleum Knife or on Who Shot You? About how there's always an audience in America for movies that involve kind of like matronly British women doing things. Like that mm-hmm. audience is always kind of steady and stable, this Anglophile audience. So I assume that's what this Crumpet and Literary Society movie is about.
4: Yeah. All right.
0: Well,
3: uh,
2: I hope that dad the like money that I Hopefully she's solving crimes, eat. too. If she's solving like somewhat pleasant
0: crimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Pleasant murders.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The next part of the show, in case you've forgotten or are listening for the first time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is recommendations of movies we actually liked that you should watch instead of The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Does anyone want to go first, or...?
1: Uh, I'll go. I've got a spooky tale based mm. on a true story. It's called "The Haunting of Sharon." Ta- oh wait, are we not supposed to <laughs> recommend uh, somebody else go first? I don't have to go first.
3: Uh, okay. okay. I was
2: just doing uh, that bit. Elliot right. briefly gives up the spotlight. I, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll recommend. Uh, I will recommend a horror movie. I'm recommending the Iranian period piece "Under the Shadow," directed by Babak Anvari. It's about a young mother who is having trouble. Uh, she's having trouble getting back into her life due to previous political leanings, and her husband gets uh, drafted and called to the front, and the so she has to raise her child on her own, and she has uh, she's struggling with her daughter's own fears, her fears of both her life and her inadequacy, uh, possibly her inadequacies as a mother. And also about the oncoming uh, war with Iraq. And it's great. It's short and it trods some well-worn territory, but it adds a couple of neat little nuances. It's cool. Check it out, Under the Shadow.
0: I'm going to recommend a movie from 1927. And it stars Harold Lloyd. And it's called The Kid Brother. And uh, I'll just read the... uh, IMDb uh, summary because it seems to sum it up pretty well. A sheriff's milk-toast son has a chance to prove himself when a medicine show run by con artists comes into town. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm a Buster Keaton proponent mostly. If we're talking the the class, I mean, I feel like people always feel the need to put them up against each other, the classic silent movie clowns. But well, that was uh, the big
1: that was the big debate at the time: is who would win in a fight, Buster yeah. Keaton oh, yeah. or Howard Lloyd? Who's stronger, or Charlie
2: Chaplin? Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I see guys in, in the bar always getting in, almost coming to blows over this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think Harold Lloyd is actually my second favorite, and I think he constructs uh, crazy gags almost as well and with almost as much daring. So just, just see it. It's on the Criterion channel if you've got that. Uh, that's where I came across it. That's it. I'll go last. Natalie, you go next. I'll go last.
4: Great. I am going to recommend a movie that is coming up on its 20th anniversary and it's like very much holy text to some people myself included but now that it's going to be on Hulu it's like just become readily available on Hulu now. I want to tell more people about it. Uh, The movie Drop Dead Gorgeous came out in 1999. There's like one plot line in it that has not aged well involving Will Sasso so if you haven't seen it and you watch that take That with a grain of salt, but everything else about it is so good. It's about a beauty pageant in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in Mount Rose specifically. And it's Kirstie Alley as sort of the ringleader of the local pageant. Very young Kirsten Dunst as sort of the young upstart Uh, That's gonna upset everything. The sort of dark horse in the in the teen princess race. Uh, Her mom is played by Ellen Barkin. Her mom's like trailer trash best friend is played by Allison Janney. It's Amy Adams' first film role, I believe. She's like a she's a sort of ditzy cheerleader, and she's brilliant in it. Brittany Murphy is also in it. It's just sort Denise Richards. It's just sort of like a murderer's row of young actresses and like older character actresses before Hollywood started really recognizing older character actresses and giving them more to do and it's so funny and so sharp and Nora Dunn yeah. is there as well. It's just everyone that you want to see in a female driven comedy basically. So watch it. Yeah it's great.
1: Uh, I'm gonna recommend a movie that was not chosen because Natalie is a guest day but it but it is of a theme because it's a musical theater type thing. Uh, This is a documentary that's on Netflix right now. It's called Bathtubs Over Broadway and it's the true story because it's a documentary of, uh, there's a guy who, at the time they started making the movie, this guy Steve Young was a writer for Letterman, and part of his job was to find weird record albums for the show, and it caused him to stumble into the world of industrial musicals, musicals that were produced purely to be shown at conventions of employees for different corporations, and then would be released on album as souvenirs for those employees and were not (laughs) meant to be listened to outside the company or ever sold to the public, and it- I thought it's a movie that it's a sh- it starts out really funny but I I found I was very moved by it by the end because it starts off being like going through his uh his relationship with it where it's like oh these are crazy can you imagine there's this whole musical about Lucite in 1972 or like there's a musical that's all about bathroom fixtures and then he goes and meets the people who worked on the shows the people who wrote them the people who performed in them and it becomes very clear that they were putting as much of their their own selves into this musical that would be performed once, maybe twice, and then never again, as you would into a real Broadway musical. And so it starts out being like, oh, these companies are like perverting this art form to just get across how great the companies are. But then you see like, oh no, but the, like these songs that are about like, there's one song called My Bathroom that gets played a few times in it, where a woman sings about about her bathroom is a special private room where she can go and dream. And <laughs> it's a ridiculous song. But as as you watch the movie, you're like, oh, like, but this is that these musicals are, they're creating that space for these people where they can, you know, be professional performers in this world that most people never get to see. And there's actually a really good amount of footage and music from these different industrial musicals. So I liked a lot. It's called Bathtubs Over Broadway. It's on Netflix right now.
0: Yay. Okay. Well, that's it for the show. We made We
2: made Wait, what?
0: <laughs> we should thank Natalie. <laughs> oh, yeah. For being here. And also, Natalie, you perform uh, around places. Yes. <laughs> it's been said. Uh, the show's gonna the show's gonna come out on uh, July the sixth. That's this. Coming Saturday. Is there anything you want to plug coming up?
4: um Yeah, I'm hosting a show called showgasm at Ars Nova on July 18th. It's a Thursday at 8 p.m. Um, and they sort of like just give me free reign to bring on whoever I want. And so it'll be a mixture of comedians and like brilliant musical performers and theater people and drag queens and weirdos. And it'll be great. So that sounds fun. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyone else want to plug anything? I don't have anything. I just, uh, well, Since I asked uh, Natalie, I feel like...
2: As I've mentioned before, uh, my wife has recently opened up, up a bar, Minnie's Bar, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Please come visit. It's a beautiful old spot.
0: And we should always thank our network, MaximumFun.org, uh-huh. for having us and improving our lives in countless ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could probably count them if I really wanted to. You but probably there's, shouldn't. There's a lot of them. Let's um, not let's
1: not put a number on it. Look, let's put, not put numbers on these things. Let's just
2: leave it as you've so strangely phrased it. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Dan. When we when I came over and you're like, I don't know how we're gonna talk about this movie. I'm like, I think we're gonna be able to do it. I think we did it.
0: Great. So I guess we're patting ourselves on the
2: back. Yeah, maybe we're the heroes of this one. <laughs> time for a
1: victory lap is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so Maximum Fun has a lot of great shows. Please check out all of them and then continue listening to the ones that you like and then supporting them when that time comes. You'll know it because we'll tell you about it a bunch of times. If you'd like to support the Flophouse, please leave a review, a positive one, I hope, for us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell people about it, tweet about it, live it, love it, laugh it. Uh, really live the flop house lifestyle, which involves listening to the flop house, telling people about it, and then not not bothering us if you see us in public. Uh, oh, Come on! No, actually, you can.
0: I, I actually like it when people come up and say hi. Come on. There was
1: a there was a there was a time when uh, I was visiting my in-laws, and somebody wrote in an email to the Flophouse later saying like, oh, I thought it was Elliot, but I didn't want to bother him in front of his family. And I was having a real bad day that day, and I was like, oh, I would have loved it if someone came up and told me they loved the Flophouse. That would have really lifted my spirits. And I don't know if I've told the story here on this the podcast for, but there was a Father's Day where I went with my dad to the zoo, and a Flophouse listener came up and said, oh, I love your show. It's so great to meet you. And my dad has been talking about that for years and brings it up <laughs> all the time. It really made his day. So- Feel free to say hello. But yeah, tell people about us or, you know, just do what you can. Skywriting, big banners, I don't know, mm-hmm. a parade, national holiday, any of those things.
0: All mm-hmm. right. Well, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey,
2: I've been Stuart Wellington.
1: <laughs> I'm Elliot Kalin. You know me. Elliot Kalin. That's my name. Hey, guys, if you ever see me, You're don't be afraid to say, it. is that Elliot Kalin?
0: Because it is. <laughs>
4: I'm Natalie Walker. You don't know me, but now you do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That that should be your new slogan.
1: (laughs) I want that to be be your memoirs, Sorry, You don't know me, but now you do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it because it's kind of a threat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. See you next time. Bye. All right, let's just start the show. Um, How do we do it? Oh, okay, I remember. (laughs)
1: Dan, we've been doing this for over a decade. (laughs) Yeah, but
0: but we haven't done it in a few weeks. All right.
1: Y'all, good point, good point.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Maximumfun.org.
0: Comedy and culture.
4: Artist owned, audience supported.